0: This is the Movie Hall of Fame for Thursday, September 5th, 2019,
1: Class of 1982
2: edition! <laughs> oh, you're excited. I am jacked for today's pod. I'm not that excited. You're not? <laughs> not really. Why not? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't ever want to like touch this year. This one <laughs> worried me. It was radioactive waste for you? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of like strong feelings on a lot of these movies. Yeah. It's actually not as heated as the final
0: debate we'll have. And we'll explain that later. We'll get to that when we get to that. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of movies that I have some interesting thoughts on. Sure. Coming up. Yeah.
2: So I'm yeah. pumped. I love talking movies with you, Adam Hall. We, we go down this list, though, like, how, like which movie we're going to talk about one after the other. And you have, you have them ordered in a way that... I mean, we'll get to this, but, like, I would have wanted to have saved the first film we're talking about, I guess, for later. But, I mean, you seem pretty content in keeping it right where it is.
0: Well, we can save it till later. No. I
2: just enjoy teeing you up. Okay, okay. No, we can do that. I want to tee you up before I knock you down later on in the program. Well, it's, it's just going to be a surprising thing that you'll hear me say about that first film. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Well, we're
0: talking about the movies of 1982, we're going to get right into it because this may be a kind of long podcast.
2: Um, well, we'll we'll, <laughs> g- we'll go over the first four quick enough. <laughs> the right. length will come with the final two. Sure. And then uh, Nick Evangelista
0: will be joining us later in the program to settle some scores. Sure. We'll just say that the films of 1982 that we're discussing today are, of course, The Thing, Tootsie, The King of Comedy, The Verdict, Blade Runner, and E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Yep. This is gonna be therapy for us, just acknowledge think so, this, so this we don't have good. to think
2: about this ever again. This
0: is good, this is healthy, this is okay. good. sometimes you need to just get these things off your chest all right all right all right so embrace this okay, okay it's be a great therapy session highest grossing movie of nineteen eighty two is of course uh the best little whorehouse in Texas <laughs> also known
2: as e t the extraterrestrial yes. It- <laughs> the best little (laughs) whorehouse in
0: suburban sacramento
2: (laughs) wherever the hell that movie took place i don't want to know about that
0: (laughs) uh yeah et number one of course followed by surprisingly enough
2: tootsie at number two yeah i guess i could see that an officer and a gentleman at number three interesting rocky three at four and porkies at number five thank god we didn't nominate rocky three you mean the second best Rocky movie of all time? I mean, the like, arguably the worst Rocky movie How of all time. fucking movie. dare you? That movie can, you know what, that movie can burn in fucking hell. Living in America. <laughs> I, I'm at that point where I just want to talk, like, unrealistic shit about Rocky 3. Like, Rocky <laughs> 3 is not the worst thing ever, but I'm at that point where I feel comfortable just, like, completely trashing that thing.
0: You want to talk shit about Rocky 3 like Clever Lang talks shit about the death of Apollo Creed? Is you that what you're fuck
2: Apollo Creed. <laughs> fuck Fuck Apollo Creed. That man is a puss.
0: <laughs> I'm going to drop that right there.
2: Uh, the Razzie nominees from
0: oh 1982. I, I like that we're doing this now. Third annual Razzies, The third ever Razzie Awards were presented in 1982. Your nominees were uh, the pirate movie. <laughs> I don't know what any of these the are. Pirate movie? Mega Force, Butterfly, Annie, and the winner of Worst Picture... Inchon Incon
2: Incon I need to see all of these.
0: Okay. We need to do the pirate movie. Why is this a thing at some it's point? It's
2: called the pirate movie. I don't know who's in it. I don't know. Well, I assume I know what it's about, but I hope Tim Curry's in it <laughs> for some reason. I don't know. This is the first thing that popped into my head. So, by the way, the winner of worst
0: actor that year, also the star of Incon, I N C H O N, Inchon. In-chan. Okay. Okay. Uh, and that actor Okay, take a wild guess. Who do you think that actor was? That one worst picture or worst
2: actor that year? That actor? Yeah. Was it obvious? <laughs> no. I don't know. Marlon Brando. Laurence Olivier. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Sir Laurence Olivier. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> I didn't know he had a Razzie,
0: but apparent. by the way, the pirate movie stars um, Christy McNichol, Christopher Atkins, Ted Hamilton. Okay. It's uh, the crew of a large ship uh, sets sail the high seas, encouraging other pirates from other ships. Okay. Uh, and worst actress goes
2: to Pia Zadora from Butterfly. I don't know who that is. I have no idea who it is either. And I don't really care who it is. Well, there you go. I don't think anybody does. We need to do the pirate movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, we got to do snake movies first. Okay. We'll get there. All right. cool pirate month pirate month pirate month oh god will you do the worst pirates of the caribbean with me (laughs) sure i don't is that well maybe it is i mean that fifth one's pretty bad that fifth Uh, one's pretty bad could we do ahoy tober what the (laughs) (laughs) hell you're you're just trying too hard man (laughs) just stop you know we we can pick better things than ahoy what is ahoy tober (laughs) it needs to flow off the tongue man uh Ahoy, autumn. (laughs) Uh, uh, what do pirates do besides that? Like, our matey or something like that. Does that work for any month? Uh, Because ahoy doesn't work. Ahoy, March. Ooh, see that works. (laughs) Jesus, son of a bit. Like, welcome to why isn't the things March? Oh God, you should be shot and killed, my
0: friend. (laughs) uh uh, national film registry seems to be missing a few names i will admit uh you have blade runner you have et the extraterrestrial and you have tootsie um and then you have fast times at ridgemont high and chan is missing those are your five national film registries okay seem like we're missing a few yes i agree
2: (laughs) i want one or two on this list honestly should probably be on there yeah well we'll talk about that later i guess um honorable mentions Pretty strong year for
0: movies, by the way. 1982. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, I know. Pretty strong. I love year. this year. Yeah, it's one of the few strong
2: years from nineteen eighty. <laughs> no, there's a couple, I guess. We've d- we've talked about a few. Really? Yeah. You disagree with some of them. Some better than but, others. But yeah. Yeah.
0: Um. They. Uh. So here are the honorable mentions. First Blood. Okay. Pretty good. The first in the Last Blood series <laughs> coming to a cinema near you. <laughs> I love First Blood.
2: I love that movie. I like
0: it. I don't love it in the way that a lot of. Young men love it um, because, I don't know, I maybe saw it too late or I thought it was a little boring. I'm not sure. Hmm. I like the Rocky movies better. Um, the Dark Crystal. Yeah, good one. We reviewed that and why is this a thing? Fast Times at Ridgemont High, as we said, an important movie. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, it's it's okay. Uh, love the scene with the titties. Of course you do. Yeah. Uh, Conan the Barbarian.
2: Uh, eh, eh. I'll take it or leave it. You're not into the Conan movies, huh? No. Oh, no, it's too bad. No, I think they're <laughs> dumb. I think they're dumb. I've never seen part two. I, I, I have not. Se- well, I've, I think I have seen part two. Actually, it's not good. Okay. Conan the Destroyer. Ugh. 48 Hours is a pretty good movie with a great Eddie Murphy performance. I would have considered nominating it. Okay. I, re- I really like 48 Hours.
0: You like it better than Beverly Hills Cop? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I do. I think I do, too. I think that's right.
2: Poltergeist. Pretty good. Could have made it, right? Yeah, Nah. Couldn't have, but pretty good. Really? Yeah, no, all
0: these are better. Okay. Uh Rocky 3, second best Rocky movie. Uh Gandhi one best picture which I quite like. You do. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm.
2: That movie is fucking homework to me. Nope. I I watched that film on on repeat. I love Gandhi actually. You've seen Gandhi more than once. I've seen Gandhi probably more times than a couple films on this list. Wow. <laughs> I love Gandhi. Star Trek
0: 2: The Wrath of Khan, the best Star Trek movie. Yeah, probably. An Officer and a Gentleman. Haven't seen it. So it's like a feel-good version of Full Metal Jacket.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't want a feel-good version of Full Metal Jacket.
0: (laughs) No offense. Quite wonderful, though. Great performance by the drill sergeant in that movie. Okay. It's it's actually very good. I think you would like it a lot. Uh, Sophie's Choice, worth mentioning. Sure. We're going to talk about that, I think, a little bit later on in the program.
2: What, Sophie's Choice?
0: Yeah, in the uh, Oscar section.
2: Oh, eh. I mean, I think the lead actress is correct. Yeah. Uh, everything else, probably not. Tron! Do you <laughs> like the original Tron? I have not seen the original Tron. Have you seen the Neutron? I've seen parts of the Neutron. Okay. And it's all right.
0: Man, Tron looks like it would be the best movie ever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean it looks like it would be the best movie ever? It looks fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah.
0: But it's just like, ew, who cares? Wait, have you seen it? I've I've seen the new one. I actually haven't seen the original. I've seen the new one, and I did not care for it. Okay, but
2: like, damn, it looks cool. Okay, okay. No, it does look pretty, pretty inventive. But yeah, uh, Fitzcarraldo. Oh, ha ha! Now this is another one I saw, and I was considering nominating because this movie is fucking awesome. Recently, what this movie? Yeah, have no, you seen it recently? No, no I saw it uh, junior year of college. Okay, oh, it's great.
0: Well, I hear the behind-the-scenes story, similar to Apocalypse Now, is just as good as the movie, right?
2: It's, yeah. Maybe better than the—well, no. The, the movie's pretty spectacular, but it's—this uh, it's, uh, movie is just—literally, the film is, let's get this boat over a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing. It is so incredible.
0: We don't talk about Werner enough. No. And I'm sorry. But, you know, have you seen that
2: Mandalorian trailer? Yeah, I did. Because it's about to be Werner season. Yeah. You think he's going to have a little renaissance? It's about to be Werner time. The werner Renaissance. Werner-tober <laughs> is coming. <laughs> oh, God. Are we going to talk about just Werner films? Vern-vember. Oh, Jesus. We could almost do Fitzcarraldo for a why is this a thing. In the sense that it's like, why would anybody make this movie? Yeah. But then you realize that, oh, yeah, it's just because it's the best thing ever.
0: But it's a masterpiece, right? Yeah, it's, a yeah, no, right? it's incredible. I, yeah. Need to, I need to do that.
2: Um, the World According to Garp. Which I don't love. Good Robin performance yeah, I like it but I hate everyone in the movie yeah. I hate literally
0: Every character <laughs> in that movie And this was the one That I came closest To nominating Diner Oh yeah I quite like Diner I love Diner Yeah Diner is basically Seinfeld before Seinfeld yeah.
2: Barry Levinson Barry Levinson script. Yeah, yeah it's, really, it's really touching
0: Good cast Great script Oh god yeah um, I think influenced A lot of comedies And especially on television For the next several yeah, years
2: That I would agree with
0: So I, I really don't think We have Larry David And Jerry Seinfeld Without Diner
2: no, if You're right, yeah.
0: So that's a big thing. It's great.
2: Okay, ready? Yeah!
0: So I'm going to tee you up and let you go, because this was your nominee, and I know you have a lot of things to say about The Thing, so... The Thing. Get on with it. The Thing, directed
2: by John Carpenter, starring Kurt Russell, Wilford Brimley, and many others. Yes. Go ahead. The movie about a shape-shifting alien that comes to find a scientific research team in Antarctica, and... Slowly, everyone unravels their sanity, and no one knows who might actually be this alien that is slowly taking everyone over, as I said. This is my favorite film on the list.
0: Oh, man! (laughs) Ouchie Mama!
2: Oh, boy! That was the big surprise and I'm like oh you put it at the first one to talk like yeah it's 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 by a clear margin my favorite film it's not the best film on the list but it's definitely my favorite bro we are bringing heat today dude yeah because I have some more
0: takes coming up that are going to be not as hot as that. I thought, like, I just put him in the oven and took him out and I was ready to go, but I did not know you had that one cooking. What a fucking take.
2: Your favorite movie. Yeah, by by a significant margin, actually. Wow. Like I said, it's not even close to the best film on this list, in my opinion, next to my number. I I do think it's the second best on this list all right that's nuts yeah i think it's the second best film on this list that's it's definitely my favorite uh it is one of the best uh films about it's one of the best horror films i've ever seen but also one of the best like lovecraftian horror films while not being based on a lovecraft story Uh uh-huh it's actually based on a, a story by one of his contemporaries which there's a little contention on whether or not the guy like stole some of the some of the ideas wasn't it a remake yes well the the it's based off of a novella called Who Goes There and this is what this one's based off of more more closely. Well the
0: original was called The Thing from, from Another, Another World. World from nineteen fifty one. Yeah.
2: Produced by Howard Hawks. I can never remember the name of the director though. Okay. Uh, and the the original's like it's whatever, it's about them I mean, similar they find like a creature in the ice and it comes out and it's like a vegetable monster that just looks like Frankenstein and it beats the shit out of people. Okay. It has very little to do with the original source material, whereas this one is very close to that original source material and it plays heavily on themes of paranoia, which I think that might be one of the... This film explores those ideas maybe better than any film. <laughs> okay. I I love the direction that this movie goes. I love how it handles its characters. I love the, the, the atmosphere of this movie, which is something John Carpenter has always been uh, quite brilliant at. Um, I love each and every one of these characters. Mm. And I for for me personally, I, I, I love spending time with them and I feel so horrible when they start to, you know, turn on each other and gruesome, horrible things ultimately happen to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a movie with an incredible sense of place, as I was saying, some wonderful music. Uh, it's very iconic in that way. And, um, I also want to say very influential for the horror scene and also other directors. This is one of those movies that, uh, alongside many John Carpenter films, a lot of directors took inspiration from notably Quentin Tarantino when he was making Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Talk about that for a second. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino said like one of his primary inspirations with at least how you handle, uh, sustained paranoia in a scene and it close quarters yes exactly was almost directly ripped from the thing yeah and i mean a lot of filmmakers have taken that uh and and done done a lot of interesting things with it um but i think uh tarantino with reservoir dogs is maybe the most prominent and not to say that it's only based off of the thing but it's certainly like a like a like a fundamental inspiration for that movie so Mm -hmm. it's an important film in that way and again uh Uh, it's it's pretty pretty well loved at this point although um hated when it first came out so that's the thing that shocked me in my research absolutely despised when it came out it didn't do very well and to me i think it's it's when I look back, and I've actually read quite a few of the, the the critical responses, and I don't know if there's ever been a time where critics got a movie so completely wrong. Yeah. In almost every—I was, like, shocked. I was like, guys, what is the matter with you? Like, what, what did you drink this morning kind of a thing?
0: Well, it's one of those groupthink exercises, ironically, similar to the plot of this movie— the response to the movie was sort of this rolling rock down a mountain, and it kept yeah. acquiring moss, and that moss was bad word of mouth. Yeah. It's like someone else thought it was trash, so I'm going to say in my review that it was trash. And yeah. repeat, 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 because I don't think anyone wanted to admit that it was a thoroughly entertaining atmospheric horror movie. Yeah. Um, I think the the guttural reaction was the creature is over the top, the violence is over the top, um, the, uh, it's just a go, go, go type of movie. There's not much like reprieve. No. It doesn't spend much, although it does conjure up a lot of suspense, it doesn't
2: take a lot of time building that suspense in quiet moments. It's a very loud, explosive movie. Oh God, I completely agree. Which is interesting because with how, I mean, atmospheric films generally don't do that. Yeah. They're not quite like that. They're much, and not to say that this movie isn't moody because it definitely is. Yeah. But you don't expect it to get as like absolutely chaotic and it's off the chain it's like apocalyptic at a certain point right and it's oh god it's just a completely desperate film with maybe the best special effects ever conjured up next to another film on this list that we're going to talk about second best special effects on this list yeah we'll
0: we'll talk about it Uh, um (laughs) um that creature, first time I saw
2: it in its full form when it unravels. It, it doesn't have like one specific form though, which is interesting.
0: Well, uh, but you know what I'm talking about yeah. though, when it grows the legs and it becomes like that giant insect thing with yeah. a guy's head on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think I've ever been more terrified by a, <laughs> a creature in film. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just horrifying. And it's the animation style, of course, like the the, the uncanny valley yeah. effect of it. Oh God, it's um, so weird. The Rob Teen, the great Rob Bottin. It's so incredible. And I agree with you entirely. The sense of atmosphere is really what makes this movie for me. Yeah. It is the quintessential Arctic horror film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where it's like you're in a frozen tundra. There's no way out. If you leave this room, you're going to die of hypothermia. Mm-hmm. So you got to
2: stay here with this damn thing and hope to kill it with a flamethrower. And it's like logical. It's one of my favorite things about the film is that the characters are all completely logical and tactical about how they handle this situation. Yeah. But it's so different and so out of their hands that they're never quite equipped to deal with it and just when they think they have it figured out this thing is just one step ahead of them right which just and, and by the point you you realize that with them it's it's always like too late and it always just kind of like it's like the, the movie is like effectively pulling the rug out from under you I mean there's just so many wonderful moments where it's like okay you, you feel like we've beaten the thing and then turns out no actually this guy was was the thing the whole time but we got right. him and it actually turns out it got to this guy too it's like well what about this oh what I actually it destroyed. Destroyed the helicopter you know that kind of thing oh man and just some of the most memorable uh uh like like tension building moments specifically the blood scene yeah which is incredible yeah it's so you know it, he does carpenter does this thing and he did it effectively in halloween where he pushes you past the point where you expect the scare to happen right and then goes he goes to the point afterwards and it doesn't happen that and then it happens as soon as you've let your guard down after that like resting moment he's playing with your expectation of when the scare is going to come yeah exactly is what he's doing yeah. yeah he goes past the conventional point because wh- what generally happens is there's a build-up and nothing happens right you turn around boom there it is he goes past the point where the character turns around where it's like turns around yeah still nothing there keep walking yeah, still nothing there, and then all of a sudden, like halfway through the next move, the scare happens. Right, it's really, really, really effective.
0: Man, Carpenter is such an interesting director, and I know you love him, and I really like him in a similar way. Obviously, I don't have the same affection for this movie and his other movies as you do. Yeah, um, but he made, for the most part, I would say standard B movies. You yeah. know, like I, I think you could generously call them B movies, but they're elevated versions. Um, and I just really respect the craftsmanship yep. on something like Escape from New York mm-hmm. or the craftsmanship of the thing mm-hmm. where it's like this could easily be a shitty movie yeah. with no effort and no attention and the studio still would have made it. But you decided to elevate the material, but still remain true oh, to the spirit of that original genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and you compare Jordan Peele to Carpenter a lot now. Yeah, I do. And I think that's entirely right. That's that is a better comparison than the Hitchcock comparison. Yeah, oh, yeah, I agree. Um and that's why I think so many directors like Jordan Peele and James Gunn and others of the era have embraced John Carpenter because he's doing his absolute best with the lowest material mm-hmm.
2: you know? and getting like the, the the best works out of it. And some of the more memorable works that actually had a, a tremendous amount of influence. But I mean, Carpenter made like an awesome movie after the other. He had, he didn't necessarily have the financial success that you would have hoped for, but he just he just made good movies until essentially. Uh, God, I guess like the the real low point for him was I guess Escape from L.A.
0: Okay, which I've never seen. It's not good. Not good. Huh? Not good.
2: That's too bad. But I mean, he makes like like Halloween, The Fog, Escape from New York, The Thing, and then Big Tr- Big Trouble in Little China, They Live, Christine. I mean, just these awesome, awesome Starman. Yep. Uh, just these dope movies. Like, and it's just like I I and they're 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 always interesting to me. I don't know. Eh, I kind of agree that it's something I feel like only Carpenter could have done and made it as great as it was because you look at something like Big Trouble in Little China especially which I think we'll eventually talk about mm-hmm. but that is a silly ridiculous crazy movie but you look at it it's like it was just made for Carpenter he just knew right. ex- exactly what he what he had and I mean that being said I think w- one of the greatest quotes I ever heard about Carpenter was that his imaginations were always much bigger than his budgets Uh-huh So he's really had an instance to to Refine that as perfectly as as he could have. Like you can look at something like uh, even even uh, Escape from New York and be like, that could have been refined just a little little bit. Even but though
0: Escape I- from New York is a goofy '80s movie, I mean it yeah. really is at its heart, but it stood the test of time just because it's it's got that much more verve. It's got yeah. that much more like cinematic oomph I, oh yeah i agree you know agree. And, and that's what i find incredible about it is if it's not in the hands of john carpenter it's total shit i know that same script these same
2: actors it's but now it's like snake plissken yeah what an awesome hero <laughs> this weird guy with an eye patch with a gravelly voice yeah he's he, even he, he himself is kind of a strange character yeah so yeah and yeah. i love kurt russell in this, oh, by the God. way oh in this Ian. in the thing yeah he's awesome he's, in this i think everybody's awesome yeah. What a great leading man he was. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. still a great leading man oh. when, he, when, he, when he's in Bone Tomahawk. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude.
0: <laughs> you could say that again. Uh, it's so funny, though. You mentioned the bad reviews. The reaction was even more strong than that. Um, I read this in my research. Carpenter lost his directing job of this movie Firestarter from 1984. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be like a big budget adaptation for the studio. And... It was, I guess, a universal production. They had a multi film deal with Carpenter at the time, and they bought him out of the contract because the thing was such a commercial and critical failure.
2: Yeah, I know. It's just so crazy to imagine that. And he's still, I don't think he's fully recovered from it. Yeah. Like, this really, like, you really do see a shift in, 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 in his feelings towards the industry because he. this is one of his only studio films. It's his first studio film that he ever made. Yeah. And he sort of receded back into the independent realm afterwards. And, uh, he made a few other weird ones that go unheard of, like The Prince of Darkness and, and The Mouth of Madness. But um yeah, he's just it's it's really sad because I think this movie's like kind of remarkable. It is. <laughs> and and ah, God. Like in if in his position, I think anybody would have been just as dispirited. Yeah. It's like I just made like even he thinks it's his best film, but he knows that yeah, everyone hated it. Yeah. Even though it's like very only recently, like people have acknowledged, like, okay, yeah, it's amazing. It's an amazing movie. It's amazing what the cult classic
0: status will do for you. If you just give it time, it's like it'll come around. Yeah, I know. So many of these movies were complete failures. I always go back when Moby Dick came out, which is often considered the great American novel. Yeah. Total commercial failure. I don't think it took off and became like a pop culture sensation until Herman Melville died. And it's just amazing to think about that. Like... You may have to wait until your death for your work to be appreciated. It's sad, though, you know. And that's like been true of every art form ever, and I think it's just as true with film. <sighs> mm-hmm. So many of these movies, The Big Lebowski, is one. Uh, you mentioned a lot of your cult '80s movies, like Repo Man. No, uh, Repo Man was beloved when it came out. Was though. it? Just okay. it
2: was a it was uh, as far as like audiences were concerned, it was like a cult thing. Yeah, but critics really liked it.
0: But a lot of these movies, you just have to give them time. Yep. Yeah. You know,
2: yeah. um, but it's like the Big Lebowski and the thing, though, like no, like critically, nobody liked it. Yeah, nobody liked it, and I was just, I just. I can't believe that you know no one really liked uh, uh, Fight Club with, within the first like year or so of it's released as well right so you know it's just strange when how movies like that where it's like wait this is amazing right and it's like no it's not amazing it's like what yeah how could you say that <laughs> look that is why we do this podcast because mm-hmm. they so often get them wrong and you have to give it like 30 years before you can get it right yeah um, I think this is in my in my opinion, I will, I will I will I will live and die in this. This is the most wrong critics critics I've ever been. How about maybe, that? Maybe maybe the most wrong on a singular film. This is probably the most wrong that they've ever been. I would have to dig in and really yeah. figure that out. There there are probably
0: a few more, but this is a good candidate. This is her. like I,
2: I like, uh, iconically like like wrong though in that way where it's like how does this even happen. This is the non-pass interference call on the Rams in the Saints' game. <laughs> the like, NFC championship. like, what does that even mean? The thing is a bad movie? Right. That's, he knocked the guy over. That's not <laughs> pass interference. He shot him in the face. He <laughs> knocked the guy over. We if have that it. ain't past interference. I don't know what is. We have it on
0: film. <laughs> <laughs> you just watch the clip over. That's not wait a minute, the thing is not a good movie? I'm watching it over and over again. What?
2: <laughs> Back and to the left. Yeah. Back and to the left. What am I not seeing? <laughs> it's literally the Sapruder film over and over again. It's a little different, but still.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. The, the worst authorities have, have called it since the JFK assassination. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> um. I agree. All right. Um, so, you just came throwing heat. <laughs> yes. I'm about to throw some heat. So, I want you to rate this hot take on, like, a scale of one to ten. One being, like, we're in Jack Frost's asshole, and ten is, like, Satan's asshole. Okay. Like, it's just super heat. Okay. Okay? Because we're going to talk about Tootsie. Tootsie. Oh, wow. Okay. And I to love Tootsie. I love Tootsie, too. But here's my hot take. What? Get ready for this. Okay. Tell me if I'm crazy. Mrs. is better than Tootsie.
2: That's <laughs> not crazy at all. It's not? That's like a five, because it's like, yeah, you're right. That's a what? It's like, yeah. Really? Tootsie, what are you talking about? This, what? of course, Mrs. Doubtfire's better. Wow! What are you talking about, man? I thought I was going to get lambasted for that take. Calm down. Really? Calm down, man. Mrs. Doubtfire is incredible And Tootsie's very good Not hot enough for you No man Wow Not hot enough at all
0: (laughs) I have a feeling This might be the most Controversial conversation In the history of podcasts (laughs) We both think Mrs. Doubtfire is better than Tootsie Of course Is that a question? Of course it is I think yes I think sure Why? Why? What what are you talking about? Well I listen I think Mrs. Doubtfire Has a lot more heart I think it has a better Lead performance I I think it's a funnier movie Um, It's not like as tight Of a story and not as tight as, like, a directorial effort. Mm-hmm. And it's a little goofy. I mean, Tootsie's, like, I, I think, does better in its dramatic moments. Um, but Mrs. Doubtfire is just a more rewatchable movie. And it really comes down to the lead. Although Dustin Hoffman is incredible in Tootsie. I agree. Um, but the problem Robin's th- just another level.
2: Oh, God, no. Robin's incredible. And, I mean, the the, the level of sympathy you have for Robin is... Com- it's, I mean, I, here's the thing. is that It's hard to like uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman most of the time in Tootsie. Huh. I think it's a good performance. I just, I just... He's just kind of an asshole. It's a more broad performance, right? I suppose. I don't think it's nearly as dynamic. Yeah. I think I think you, you relate to Robin on a much deeper level than you ever do, Dustin. Yeah. And I think the other issue with Tootsie more than anything is that it takes itself way too seriously. It's a re- yeah. ridiculous premise. It just is. Yeah. And... and, and and it doesn't, it doesn't play up that, that, that notion enough. It's not nearly funny enough either. And the difference between that and like, Mrs. Doubtfire is that Mrs. Doubtfire kind of goes all in and it understands its tone much more finely than I think Tootsie ever did. Hmm. So I'm not sure I agree with that entirely. Yeah. Um,
0: maybe it's because this is a movie about Broadway actors. And so perhaps there's a bit of self-seriousness. But I do think like the movie has no problem satirizing their self-seriousness. <laughs> Not necessarily. You know? Yeah. Like, it's about struggling actors in New York, similar to, like, the Woody Allen movies of the time, where it's That's just, sp- like, hipsters from, from the south side of Manhattan mm-hmm. that are really into art. Mm-hmm. It, it's, like, their conversations... It, it it both has those conversations, but also makes fun of them at the same time. Yeah. Like, Bill Murray in this movie, for example, <laughs> is fucking hilarious. I, yes, I do love Bill Murray in this quote. Those... Where he's talking about... I did a thing. I did a project about the suicide of the American Indian. <laughs> <laughs> no one came. <laughs> I, <laughs> and then, I love it a lot. It's just when he's sitting in, in uh, Michael Dorsey's apartment mm-hmm. and he's having the conversations with all the other hipsters. And he's like, um, you know, I don't like when someone comes up to me after the show and goes, I cried.
2: I like when they come up to me and say what the hell happened? <laughs> <laughs> I think I get that more because I think I'm, I, I understand that person. I'm more that person, I guess. Um, but he's yeah, so I, I he's great. Although it's like a really bit part, he's for me, I mean,
0: in like most Bill Murray movies, consistently the funniest part.
2: I think the problem again, not not so much a problem. Well, maybe is that I enjoy spending time with someone like Bill Murray more than like anyone else in the film. Uh-huh. I guess that's the bigger takeaway. Is that it's 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 one of those movies that's just you know it's actually it's a it's quite a smart script. Yeah, you know it's 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 really really tight in that way, and they really make the most of their premise. I just don't love all of these people. Okay, it's I don't know. It, it's hard for me to like absolutely fall in love with this movie as as I don't know. As as rhythmic as the film is I mean it's a, it's a film that really bounces for me Yeah But um uh, I don't know Maybe it's Dustin Hoffman Yeah
0: I, I think this is one of his best performances
2: It's very good Straight
0: though I, I think it's like top three Dustin
2: Yeah it's good
0: I think it's like Kramer versus Kramer is maybe higher, the graduates higher, and maybe this is
2: number three. There is something holding me back. I don't want to say it's a bad performance at all because it's not. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I, I don't know. There's just been all, always something about it that's that's prevented me from like like really really loving this thing.
0: Is it the romance? Is it the Jessica Lange thing?
2: <laughs> I could do without that, I suppose. You know, I don't know romance romance plots in general. If if the movie doesn't know what it's doing with them, I don't I wouldn't say it doesn't know what it's doing with this romance plot is the thing though. Yeah.
0: I and I know. think Jessica Lange's quite good in the movie, too. Yeah,
2: I think she's better than Dustin Hoffman in a lot of ways. Yeah, maybe. I really, I really like her in and this I movie. And I
0: really like Terry Garr,
2: by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's also quite good. Yeah. She's how desperate and, and pathetic she is, but kind of wonderful at the same time. You can't help but just love her.
0: It's an awesome cast. I'll read some of the cast, by the way. So it's Hoffman, Lang, Terry Garr, Dabney Coleman's in it, Gina Davis, and as I said, Bill Murray. Um, directed by Sidney Pollack. One Best Supporting Actress mm-hmm. for Jessica Lange. So that was the only Oscar that it took home, but it was also nominated for a lot more, including Best Picture, Best Actor, Supporting Actress for Terry Garr, Director, Original Screenplay, Original Song, Sound, Cinematography, and Best Editing. Sidney Pollack's also in the movie. Yeah. Oh, is his agent. Yeah.
2: I love the scene where Hoffman goes up to him in the diner. Nobody wants to work with you. Well, that that's not in the that's in his office. I think.
0: No, I'm talking about the one where he meets him in the Dorothy Michael outfit for the first time. Oh yeah. It's, hey, it's Michael Dorsey. <laughs> it's Michael Dorsey. Michael, I told you to get therapy. <laughs> <laughs> and like the the director and the other the fellow like showbiz types come up to him and Hoffman starts like spooning with. <laughs> <laughs> with Pollock stuff. in the in the booth. That's great stuff. That it, is great stuff. It's awesome. No, it's a real... Here's the thing about this movie. It's more in the spirit of some like it hot than it is Mrs. Doubtfire. Sure. So it's almost not fair. It's, it's one of those movies that isn't really made anymore in the 80s. It's yeah. sort of made in the 70s, but by the time the 80s and 90s come around, the sort of sincere, straightforward goofy comedies with something to say Mm -hmm. and really nimble scripts aren't a thing they were really popular in like the 50s and the 60s um something like it hot is perhaps the most prominent Mm -hmm. um so it's kind of like out of time and that's why you sort of see it and you're like i'm looking for something a little more significant sure you know Mm -hmm. um but i still revisit this movie a lot if it's on i watch it um i just think like yeah over time I see Robin and Mrs. Doubtfire and I think he's playing two characters in this. Yeah. And I watch this movie and I think it's always Dustin Hoffman in drag.
2: Yeah, I agree. You know. Yeah. I wouldn't say the movie doesn't have like, it's it's still got a place now. I mean they just uh released like an award-winning play based off That's of this. That's right. Like, oh yeah. yeah. It, it very, won a bunch of Tonys, didn't it? Yeah, very very um successful too. So I mean it's it's still got its voice. It's still out there. It's just I I don't know. I do like the I I hate these these like like areas i fall in with movies so it's like I, I like the movie it's like the dark knight it's like i like the movie guys don't worry i just don't i'm not like over the moon for this thing necessarily
0: right yeah I'm, well you know who's really over the moon for this movie is afi oh really so number 62 movie of all time Yeah. okay yes. according to the american film institute that's a little much where do you think it was on the all-time comedy list i don't know Five. Two. Oh god number Two Behind Ironically enough Some like it hot (laughs) So there you go Well that's a bad list
2: (laughs) (laughs) AFI is a big fan of Dudes in drag Of course they are Yeah Because they're all dudes in drag Uh, Right Fun fact (laughs) The entire American Film Institute. I just want to like like barge into their studios and like yell at them for something. Like I have a piece of paper in my hand. I'm coming for you guys. And then I open the door. It's just a bunch of people in drag. <laughs> oh, sorry. I see here.
0: <laughs> I got a gripe to pick with this list.
2: <laughs>
0: Leave us, sir. <laughs> I love I, uh, the the American film
2: institute. Jesus all they do is make a list for a living and yeah. nerds get mad about it. I still hold that all the, the higher ups in, in the industry have eyes wide shut parties. Oh, for sure. I think every single one of them just goes to eye wide sh- eyes wide shut parties and that's okay. a, that's their lifestyle. Yeah, I think that's about accurate. Yeah. Um, I think you're underselling the movie a little bit. I, I hey, want to reiterate yet again. I
0: really like Tootsie. Yeah. Um. And there was no world where I didn't nominate it mm-hmm. this year. Um.
2: Yeah. It's, it's a. It's a great. It is a great movie. Yeah. No I just think
0: there funny. you can nitpick certainly, and over time, I don't think it's aged the way that a lot of comedies of the era have aged. Mm-hmm. Right. I agree. So that's that. So it's a different time. A movie like this would never get made now. Mm-hmm. That's the important thing. I agree. Okay. Ready? Hmm. Here's when yeah. you nominated. Yeah. The King of Comedy. Yeah. Directed by Martin Scorsese. Starring Bobby D, Robert De Niro, Jerry Lewis, and Sandra Bernhard. Rupert Pumpkin is a passionate yet (laughs) unsuccessful comic. What a name, by the way. Who craves nothing more than to be in the spotlight and to achieve this. He stalks and kidnaps his idol to take the spotlight for himself.
2: (laughs) This movie's premise is so awesome.
0: You seen that new Joker trailer? Yep. I cannot fucking believe they're remaking this movie with the Joker.
2: Apparently, it's good, too. People are...
0: Well, it just debuted yesterday at Telluride, I think. Yeah. yeah. Or Venice? I don't know. Yeah. I'm hearing awesome things. Yeah, me too. But if you had told me, we're now living in a world... We're living in fucking Bizarro world. (laughs) It's 2019. Yep. And Todd Phillips is remaking The King of Comedy... With De Niro in the Jerry Lewis role
2: It's so awesome
0: And Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker in <laughs> Gotham City As the lead It looks exactly the same Yes it does They're doing the same plot aren't they Yeah pretty much It's like De Niro is a, is a late night talk show host I am fine with that though and they're just, and I, I assume the Joker is going to kidnap and do some pretty bad things to De Niro.
2: Yeah, I agree.
0: What? What are we, where are we living?
2: I'm fi- I am am fine with that. And you know why? It's nice to see that this movie is actually like carrying on its legacy. This is the most underrated Scorsese film ever. Uh, is f- it? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think this movie is one of his best.
0: Okay. Um, I think it's, I think it's next tier. Yes. I think it's clear, second tier, Scorsese. It's,
2: I think it's fantastic.
0: I don't think you can. It doesn't get to Goodfellas, Raging nope. Bull, uh,
2: and uh, and Taxi Driver. But I put it in his. I might put it in his top five. Yeah, I love this movie. It's certainly in his top ten. Okay, certainly. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. It's in his top ten. Yeah, this movie is came out at a time during a writer's strike, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, where no one wanted to make movies or write them, rather, and people were struggling to get movies made. And this little film comes along and gets, I think, kind of mixed reviews. I believe. Okay. And it didn't do like tremendously well, and a lot of that is just because this is a. It's it's kind of funny, but it's also very bleak and depressing. Right. Well, I think one of the hangups that people have is that it's
0: not funny enough to be a comedy and not dramatic enough to be a compelling thriller. Yeah. And when you
2: look at it, you don't think it's going to be as dramatic as it actually is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it sort of reminds me of the the disaster artist at times. Huh. In a way. That's an interesting comparison. Yeah. I think the disaster artist is a little more hopeful in this.
0: <laughs> sort of. Because this character, as you said, is a truly pathetic human oh being. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, his mom uh, is, guess who's doing the voice? Is that Scorsese's mother? Mm-hmm. I recognized the voice yeah, when I heard it. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, I, I, that's unmistakable for me.
2: Mom! <laughs> I forgot what he says. It's just a great scene. I'm recording, Mom.
0: <laughs> By the way, uh, strangely familiar to Nico Ugorio who does many podcasts late at night with family in the house.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, that is true. <laughs> Can't say I haven't lived that experience before. Nico has wanted to kidnap Bilbur on many occasions. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just be honest.
0: Where's my Monday morning podcast? <laughs> I do shows on Monday morning, too. So, so long story short, we're coming for you, Bill Burr. Yeah, we're coming for Bill. Uh, yeah, I think that's 100%. That is why it's underrated. Is yeah. It's such an interesting amalgamation of tone. I think it works yeah. quite tremendously. Too. Um, and it works, I think, only because of De Niro.
2: I think it's one of his strangest and different and, and one of my favorite De Niro performances. Oh, mine too. One of I think he's fantastic in this movie. Yeah. And surprisingly so, because you wouldn't think that he would play a character like this. Yeah. I mean, he sort of, he steers into the more capable, like, like. And it's not really macho. I don't really describe him that way, but no, he certainly, when you think of De Niro, you're going to think of something closer to, like, heat as opposed to something like uh, this, I suppose.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a... I'm always amazed by performers acting other performers. Mm-hmm. Like a, yeah. an actor that has to mimic a bad stand-up comic. Mm-hmm. Like my favorite thing in the world is, is to see an actor playing an actor. Yeah. And so they have to be two layers. So you have to do a performance within a performance, but also cue that performance to the skill set of the actor while also staying in character. Mm-hmm. So, this is the type of movie where if that stand-up monologue at the end, when they finally put him on TV, if that doesn't work, if you don't see that, yeah, the material's pretty good, but he's not quite there, the movie falls apart. Yes. But he is able to hit walk this very difficult high wire mm-hmm. where I could see how someone would laugh at this material. I could <laughs> yeah. see that he spent a lot of time on this. and. It, it's, it's a more effective scene than if you just went on TV and bombed. Yes. But also, there's an awkwardness. Mm-hmm. It's like you could tell you've watched a lot of stand-up and you've dreamed about being a stand-up and you've thought about it a lot, but you've never done any stand-up in a small nightclub.
2: No. So yeah. that's what it would look like. I agree. A lot of enthusiasm, but you're not quite there, kid. Yeah. It's, well, it's, it's, the jokes he tells, they could have very easily had him tell just like, like objectively, like, that's just an awful, awful joke. And had the audience not laugh. Exactly. But they're not like the worst Jokes ever I mean they're not good No but they're not bad though yeah they're just like oh eh, Okay there's some play on words Yeah exactly
0: I mean yeah it's it's as if There was effort put towards it it's not like you wield This guy if you took a guy off the street and put him On TV he yeah. would not be that fun yeah
2: your reaction Is like uh, oh, yeah okay that was uh, that was Kind of funny but at the same time yeah. there's that desperation Yeah, yeah exactly because the
0: delivery is so Awkward it's
2: terrible yeah and it Says a lot about comedy too in that way like I feel Like this is something comedians would ironically Learn a lot from yeah aside from like you know Just like writing good jokes delivering Delivering them is even better. I mean, third, just don't kidnap your heroes. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, I think uh, it's all De Niro. Um, If if he doesn't pull this off, the movie doesn't work. And that's the case with a lot of Scorsese movies. If De Niro's not good in them, they're not very good. True. Uh, And he has carried a good three to four Scorsese movies. Very true. You know. Um, I don't want to undersell how good Jerry Lewis is in the movie, Oh, God, yeah. He's really good. Mm Mm-hmm. And considering it's Jerry Lewis, it was like, ah, ladies, he's very over the top. Normally the understated angsty chip on his shoulder guy who doesn't really love the fame because of all the baggage that comes along with it. Mm -hmm. The anger that he expresses towards De Niro, the total lack of (laughs) regard for him or any other
2: any other fans of his um, is really good. Yeah. And he holds his own in this movie. I agree. He's one of the better performances in the movie. Yeah. I really like the the girl, though. The crazy girl? Yeah. Yeah. Good old-fashioned American fun. (laughs) That's a creepy scene. (laughs) Oh, yeah, where she has him taped up? Yeah. She takes off all of her clothes, and right before they're about to do anything, take the tape off. (laughs) Take the tape off.
0: (laughs) But there is kind of a, a
2: strange black comedy to it. Yeah, it's just... It is funny. Like yeah. like that like that scene in particular, it's just so odd, and it's not something that would it it doesn't like jump out at me as like oh this is disturbing necessarily. It's just like there's something so crazy about the fact that these weirdos have kidnapped this guy, and you don't you never to me that you never get the sense that they're actually going to kill him. No, I mean they don't kill him, but there's in the well, back tonally you don't really no, expect yeah. that from the movie. Yeah, but like it like even yeah I guess so. It's like. That's the best way I can describe it it's like I, th- I feel like I'm I'm always right there with Jerry Lewis's character it's like what the fuck are you guys doing come right, on right yeah and he he sort of gets to that point where he tells her to take the tape off and then he steals the water gun from her and just shoots her with it. sure yeah
0: well it's like the main character the, of this movie is named Rupert Pumpkin so there's only a certain, and that's by the way going to be the same problem with the Joker movie yeah is at the end of the day, I'm watching a Batman villain. Mm -hmm. I know we're trying to mimic a Scorsese movie. I know it's a hard R. I know like you're going for this dark gritty. But the guy's got face playing on, and he's a clown. Yeah. So there's always that disconnect. You never forget that I am watching a dark comedy, as dark as that comedy may be. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But it is totally sad. Yeah, I know. And Scorsese and De Niro just do that really well. Like every movie they've done. Yeah.
2: Where he's the lead anyway, yeah, absolutely.
0: Where yeah, you're watching him in his basement having made up conversations with Jerry Lewis. Oh god,
2: it's the worst, isn't it? It's so pathetic.
0: And also when he goes on the date with the woman and he takes the woman out to the Hamptons or wherever for the for the getaway weekend with Jerry. It's (laughs) terrible. Oh, man. It's so... Scorsese maybe does that better than anyone else. Pathetic dudes in relationships with women.
2: <laughs> There's yeah, nothing
0: probably. more angsty than that.
2: Yeah. Has yeah. there
0: ever been a happy marriage in a Martin Scorsese movie?
2: I was just... I was, <laughs> we were just talking about Alice doesn't live here anymore, and that's maybe the the best example of what you're talking about. Oh, really? <laughs> like the worst marriages, relationships possible. Oh, really? Uh, has there ever been a happy marriage relationship? I mean... De
0: Niro and Sharon Stone in Casino actually like each other.
2: Do they? Yeah. I mean... No. They kind of
0: like each... Well, they get divorced, but they... Well, okay. They no, they don't like each other. <laughs> yeah, I guess. And see, she sort of is, like, keeps running back to her drug dealer boyfriend. Yeah. So I guess not. I can't think of one.
2: Hugo? Uh, Georges Milias Mili- Mili- and his wife and Hugo. Yeah, they're pretty happy. Like they're that.
0: happy? Yeah. Okay.
2: I guess that's about it. She didn't overcook the, the,
0: the meat? She- no.
2: <laughs> you know, actually, I think that's a good example because the movie actually ends with a bunch of people getting together. Okay. So, yeah, maybe that's the only one. Yeah. you know, I can't think of another one.
0: Mm. Scorsese
2: just hasn't had a lot of luck with the ladies. Maybe, maybe the Irishman will just end up being a marital drama. It has nothing to do with what's in the trailers. <laughs> it's just about people getting in good relationships, and there's no drama whatsoever. I'd like to see that one of these days. <laughs> I'd like to see that. I want to see a movie where there's no, like like you're told one thing and then you go and it's literally something completely different. It's like, it's like a different genre and then there's nothing happens. Right. Just people eating dinner and coming home after work. Yes. And everyone, I just want to see everyone in the crowd being like, What's is there anything gonna is there anything gonna happen in this movie? Well, I actually love when that happens <laughs> when a
0: movie is totally falsely advertised and you yep. get something completely. I enjoy that because it's like a surprise. Depends. It depends on what it is. Because how many times do you see a trailer and it's like I feel like I've seen the movie already?
2: Yeah. I suppose that was my reaction to Drive. Yeah, where it's like the trailer was promising Transporter and then we got like an art house film. Right. <laughs> it's like whoa. Okay. Yeah. Right. And but people don't respond well to those. Yeah, and the audiences don't but. Well, they
0: feel like they've been betrayed, yeah. yeah. Cuz all people don't want to be surprised. They just want their expectations yeah. met.
2: And then they get mad when they're not surprised. Yes. So, fuck audiences. <laughs> That's the moral of the story. <laughs> uh what do you have to say about the king of comedy anything else i think that's good no i love this movie i really really love this movie
0: yeah it's got a great lead uh didn't get any oscar love that year which is actually kind of surprising
2: yeah but again this came like i said coming out at that time was kind of like a a, a, i guess a touchy situation for the industry yeah and they were just trying to figure out how do we get movies made okay
0: yeah i mean it's a challenging movie for sure and i would recommend that people see it if you haven't seen it Mm -hmm. it is one of those hidden gems i agree I think I like After Hours more, though.
2: Really? Yeah. Uh, see, I disagree. I like After Hours a lot. I don't think it's this good. I, I
0: think I like After Hours more.
2: That's interesting.
0: That, that to me, is the most underrated. Okay. Yeah. Strange. But No one's remaking After Hours with the Joker in it. That's my <laughs> point. It's yeah. not like we're doing the penguin except so he's, may- in-, it's <laughs> he's maybe- in.
2: It might Soho. be the. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> the penguin got locked out of his apartment. That in would be dope. Okay, it's maybe the most underrated now because yeah. the Joker's remaking it. But Right, know. right. That's my point. But before the Joker. Mm. Okay,
0: here we go. Let's move on. One more, and then we're going to get to the main event. Yes, guys. The top of the bill. <laughs> yes. The Royal Rumble. Let's talk about the verdict. Let's talk about the verdict. Directed by Sidney LeMay. Written by my boy, David
2: Mamet. Mm-hmm. I, no, my, I love David Mamet. Okay, our boy, David I Mamet. I love David Mamet. Right. What's wrong with David Mamet? Nothing. He's awesome. I just called him my boy. Jesus, shut up, Nico. I just I, I called him Stop my boy. Stop talking shit about David Mamet. <laughs> Starring
0: <laughs> Paul Newman, Charlotte Rampling, Jack Warden. A lawyer sees the chance to salvage his career and self-respect by taking a medical malpractice case to trial. Rather than settling. Did you watch this movie this week?
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, I haven't seen it in maybe a year or two. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it, actually. I remember nothing about this plot whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But I do remember Paul Newman playing pinball in a bar. Okay. I do remember Paul Newman in his office, lights out, having a drink. I, I do remember everything about that performance. Because to me, this movie is not a courtroom drama at all. It is a character study through and through. Yes. And I am not understating it when I say this is one of the finest character studies ever made. Okay. Fucking love this movie.
2: Yeah. This movie's excellent.
0: Love it. Yes. Would recommend to anyone.
2: Almost underappreciated at this point in time. I would say so, yeah. Especially in the realm of uh, LeMay films. Yes. Yeah. This is this is an interesting movie because it is so, yeah. I, I don't hear as much about the verdict ever, especially in the realm of uh, Sidney Lumet films. It's just, but it's just, hmm. This is like a, a, it's kind of a gritty character study, but it doesn't have the appearance of a gritty character study in a no. way. I mean, th- this movie, I th- I think the best way to describe it is like if if you have Ed days at work where you you go in on like a Monday and the Monday's pretty good and you come home and you talk to your your parents or you you talk to your girlfriend or whatever and you're like I had a great day of work and you know let's let's sit down let's have a good time tonight and you go in the next day of work and it's just a fucking travesty uh-huh. and then you go home and you do the same routine except it's flipped and you're like I don't know if I want to do this job anymore yeah. fuck this job that's this movie uh-huh that is this movie right where it's like the further down you go the the worse
0: it gets yes but it it does come around at the end though yes it does it it does have sort of a optimistic ending and it goes for humanism and and he learns a lot yeah a lot a lot it's a movie where yeah a guy in his 60s or whatever an older paul newman does go through a significant change from beginning to end Mm -hmm. and you don't get a lot of those yeah i agree you know and that's why it's such a great character study is there's actually a, a transformation
2: within two hours and Damn, that's the magic of cinema, isn't it? I agree. And it's just I mean just nice moments too. I I mean this movie takes a lot of time just to like sit with Paul Newman's character. Yep. And I find his character to just be like again like the I didn't really expect to see Paul Newman this way. He's much more confident, but in this I just feel like he's constantly doubting himself. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, drinking the the egg. You know, oh, in the in right. bar and scenes and, you know, the fact that he's playing pinball all the time. Yeah, he's a lawyer and he's just playing pinball in a bar all the time. Like, right. That's a very distinct and specific image that tells you a lot about his character. Sure. Where he's like, normally you would get like, you know, I don't know. Like the the Denzel Washingtons and in, in Philadelphia, I suppose there's a little there's a little bit more poise to those characters, whereas this one is is just dirtier and and sadder, and you just you're you're really not sure if he's gonna win this case, you, right? Like, like I watch this, I'm like, I don't think you can win this case, dude. You're right. There is a legitimate suspense about that. Yes, y- yes. You don't
0: imagine that it's gonna end with the storybook ending. Yeah, I know. You know, um, and. I just find that to be so real. Mm-hmm. I, just everything about this, I buy it. Hook, line, and sinker. Me too. There's nothing Hollywood about this at all. No, there is a courtroom scene because a movie like this demands a courtroom scene. But it's not an over the top sweeping monologue mm-hmm. where it's like Spielberg is has a over the head crane shot. Yeah, and yeah, Denzel Washington is <laughs> is speaking to the jury with an impassioned plea. Yeah, it's a small intimate thing that Sidney Lamette gets very well. Mm-hmm. You know, that that is one of Sidney Lamette's great gifts, I think, is his ability to get so much out of close quarters. Yes. And to get right in the face of his characters. A lot of close ups. It's intimate. It's gritty. It's rough around the edges. But that's what he does well in Serpico. It's what he does well in Dog Day Afternoon. It's what he does well in 12 Angry Men. Mm-hmm. Oh,
2: another God. courtroom movie. I agree.
0: You know, but I, he
2: he does this great thing, though. It's funny. It's funny you mentioned that specifically, because one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite scenes is is... Er, a, a little earlier on, it's where they first come into the courtroom, and he's you know, giving his first statement. And he's kind of stumbling on his words. He's not doing a very good job at, at presenting the case for the jury. And the camera, instead of getting close, kind of like, okay, we're going to back away now. Yeah. I, I, I can't talk to you. We're, 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 go- we're going over here. Good job. Oh, yeah. It's very smart like that. Because y- 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 you see it all the time where it's like someone's trying to make a point, and you just – it's a sad thing, but you kind of like turn away from them, like, yeah, they're not doing a very good job I'm gonna go over here now. Yeah, I can't bear to look at it. It's yeah. just it hurts my eyes. Yeah, exactly
0: Oh, yeah, that's so there's so much smart the way he shoots it too. There's a lot of like reds. Yeah, it's very re- It's like a lot of warm rustic colors. Everything's mm-hmm. brown. There's not a lot of like cold co- There's not like a lot of blues and greens. I
2: was gonna say it's very it's very cold It's a there's hardly any warm colors like, like really, like, warm, like, yellows or anything right, like that. Right, 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 right. Like, when, if it's red, it's, like, a deep red, you know? Right. It's grimy. It's, it's a like, rustic red. Yeah, it's, like, kind of... It's more scary than anything. Right. Yeah, it it almost, in a lot of ways, has, like, a noir aesthetic at times. Yeah. Which is weird, yeah. You know? Yeah,
0: a little bit. Not a, a new, I mean, the way that he shoots even Charlotte Rampling in the movie, yeah. though. Like, those those scenes are not particular I mean, they're intimate, but they're not, like,
2: traditional romance. It's very yeah. dark and sad and depressing it's, it's, it's there's nothing happy about like any scene with them <laughs> like yeah. almost ever right yeah and even even when like, like i love this scene where uh he sees the picture of was that his wife yes his ex-wife yeah i think they got
0: divorced right because yeah, of the what, alcoholism yeah, that's yeah. what i thought too yeah
2: and she's like you know there's th- even when she like still says okay no we're we're, we're still gonna sleep together it's not like a uh, you know like th- it's not funny. It's no. still very uncomfortable. It's slow in a in a good way and it's very very quiet and you never get the sense that you know you're safe regardless. Like you still feel like something's wrong.
0: So, ironically enough, we've been talking about how dour and depressing this movie is, number 75 on, on AFI's most inspiring list <laughs> on their all-time cheers list. <laughs> <laughs> AFI is kind of strange And number four On their courtroom drama list Okay Which I think is about right I think I would put it right there um, I agree with that I would take this I know people love like uh, um, To Kill a Mockingbird And it's a great film And it's an American classic But I would take this version Of the courtroom drama Over To Kill a Mockingbird Any day Possibly Over Gregory Peck Just just again Like speaking to a
2: jury <laughs> But, you're, but it, it, this is the, when people rank these movies, they're talking about the movie as a whole before like the courtroom scene specifically. Yeah, of course. Know?
0: Yeah. Um, I just think this, it, it's, it's just a captivating performance. Yes, I agree. And I will be talking about Paul Newman a little bit later on in this podcast. Me too. Spoiler alert. Yeah, me too. Um, but dude, this was just one of our fine American actors and there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He bounces back
2: and forth. Sometimes I think he's my favorite actor. You know? Who's our Paul Newman now? Who is he? Our Paul Newman? Yeah. God, I don't know. We, we don't have a Paul Newman. I don't think we have one. And that's okay. We, <laughs> I don't think there's ever going to be a Paul Newman again.
0: Like, who's our traditional masculine, can play the heavy, can play the man with the gun, can do Butch Cassidy, but then can also be Cool Hand Luke, where he's like the most lovable rebel, and then can also do something like this, with, with this much range? Well, clearly it's Ben Affleck. Okay. Clearly fair enough <laughs> Who do you think Had the better chin Because <laughs> we're talking About just chin alone Ch- Chin's important here. May have to be affleck
2: Half their performance Is the chin Yeah <laughs> He always leads With his chin You ever know what I'm saying If you watch this clip It's just amazing How he leans With his masculine chin It's something <laughs> I was never able To pull off as an actor I really respect that <laughs> <laughs> The chin It's like its It's like 3D
0: I want to see a Ben Affleck 3D movie where it's just his cleft comes out like
2: ten feet from the screen. I deliberately shot it this close. Notice how his chin takes up two thirds of the screen, (laughs) and you can't see anything else.
0: (laughs) You know, I mean, Brando does shit with his hands, and Affleck
2: just always goes with the chin. I mean, we have our gifts. I have a decent chin. I have a decent chin. Don't say those things. I have a decent chin. Don't say douchey things like I, I have, a, have a decent there, chin. I am like perfect, Nico. There's literally nothing physically Don't wrong. talk to me about your chiseled physique. There's nothing physically wrong with me, I actually. What is the douchiest thing you've ever said on a podcast. I, I was chiseled to perfection by the gods, is from what, I, what I've what i been told. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Like, actually, Like Affleck himself. Yeah, exactly. Straight out the gods' conveyor belt.
0: <laughs> we were all created in God's <laughs> image, dude. Come on. Um... Oh, I mean, Mamet, baby, that script—how awesome. script!
2: Awesome, how great that script! I mean, it's 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 you know, it, it, like what can you say about Mamet? Everything he does is incredible. So I was actually reading
0: about this. I'm not sure if it was in David Mamet's book or it was in uh, forget uh, what's the guy's name that did uh, 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 that did all the presidents' men, the writer. Oh, I just read his book, not I, not Pacula. Oh God. Uh what's his name? I just read his book and it's William, one of the great Goldman? What? Goldman? Yeah, Golden. William Goldman. Okay. Golden. I'm not I think I might have read it in William Goldman's book. I'm not sure. I've been reading a lot of like behind the scenes film books. Um apparently the production was a chaotic one. This was This was? Yeah, I guess based on a novel. Yes. And they pay, the studio paid Mamet to write a version of the script, and then Redford got his hands on it. Okay. Redford, I think, was gonna direct and star in the movie. All right. And he didn't like the script. So, he commissioned a rewrite, and I think it went through the process like five times. Finally, they just fired Redford from the project altogether. Wow. And they reverted to Mamet's original script with Sidney LeMay and, um, and, and Newman. And it's just a way better version of the
2: movie. It's a very different movie. Oh,
0: it would have been massively different. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. I'm glad this is the final version that we got. Me too. I would say it is one of the great combinations of all-time screenwriter and all-time director
2: Oh they they're kind of married to each other in a in a lot of ways when you see that. Like I I don't I feel like they haven't done a lot of films together, but there is a distinct connection between those two guys. Something about their styles just feels perfect. Yeah. It's the perfect pairing. It's almost like Sorkin and, and Fincher in social network. <laughs> it's funny though because Sorkin and Fincher are a great pairing because of because they're opposites. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's just a perfect pairing of opposites where I feel like this is a perfect pairing of people who are like-minded. Like-minded, but Mamet can sometimes go over the top, though. Maybe. Mamet
0: wrote Glengarry Glen Ross, dude.
2: Sure, I guess. But again, I can kind of see Lamet doing that.
0: Lamette's not directing Glengarry Glen See, there I, That's where I disagree
2: with uh, you. I don't know.
0: I could see it. That, I, I don't know. I, I, Lamet has always been like an understated, less is more humanist type. Humane network. Oh, good
2: point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, you got me there. He Take. also made fucking Serpico, though, dude. I know. All right, dude. Fucking Sidney Lumet. <laughs> I love him. We need to put at least one Lumet movie in the Hall of Fame. It won't be this week, but we have to do it at some point. I mean, if we do Twelve Angry Men, yeah, I love Twelve Angry
2: Men. Love Twelve Angry Men, but I it's mean,
0: not my favorite Lumet film. Yeah, you'd love Network. I did. So, I mean, I I think Dog Day Afternoon is a full-on masterpiece.
2: Yeah, it is. It is. Um, but okay. All right. We're done? Oh, yeah. Should we
0: bring on our guest?
2: Yeah, I suppose so. Let's do it.
0: Let's hop on the horn. When we come back, we're going to talk about the last two movies on the list, and things will get a bit dicey. Stick around. All righty. All right. Now, on the other line, our compatriot from Why Is This a Thing, The Inevitable, Nick Evangelista. The Inevitable? No, The Inevitable. Oh, oh, okay. Right? Wait, wait, wait. I'm I'm sorry. sorry. The Inevitable. Inevitable? Inevitable? Inevitable. What does that mean? You cannot be ebbited. <laughs>
1: <laughs> inevitable is like cannot be matched. Oh, oh, oh! I thought you. I thought you said. In, I thought ine- I was like Thanos for a second. Inevitable,
2: like we don't want Nick here. Really, that's what I thought you were saying. Like, oh, the inevitable. <laughs> All right, well, I guess we gotta have. He always him finds his way to weasel into oh, another podcast. Son of a son of a gun. <laughs> I am inevitable, and I am Iron Man. <laughs>
1: Yeah, if if Thanos said inevitable, <laughs> it would have been a lot less intimidating.
2: You think there was a line reading where he said that on a few occasions? Definitely. Mine. Inevitable.
1: Line. Is it inevitable uh, what's my motivation or inevita- trying to kill half of all the people
2: well why do i want to do that i would never actually do that i'm a nice guy i'm not comfortable
0: <laughs> mocking josh brolin's performance in the avengers because i think it's actually a remarkable performance yes i agree
1: oh he's great no Thanos is incredible
0: he's amazing that's
1: not what we're here to talk about no we're not it?
0: um so here's the deal um we talked about the first four movies on this list from the year 1982 they were the thing tootsie the king of comedy and the verdict All great films, all we talked about very passionately, but there are two more on this list. They are Blade Runner and they are E.T. the Extraterrestrial. We have known for quite some time that Adam and I would butt heads on this because Blade Runner is one of his most beloved movies and E.T. is one of my most beloved movies. And we both, I would say, strongly as the other person, believe that those
2: respective movies should make it into the Movie Hall of Fame.
1: Well, it should probably be tootsie, but all right. Okay. It should be
2: tootsie. You're right. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> well, let me note by the way, and we said this before you came, or I said this before you came on. The Blade Runner is actually not my favorite film on the list that we did, right? But I do think it's the best, and I do think it's the one that should get in. That's very important. Adam's a big fan of the thing. Yes, I think the thing. The thing is my favorite film on the list. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Okay. E. T. Though
0: will forever be in my top ten. One that's close, near and dear to my heart. It's very strange, man. Um. So, look we knew we were not going to come to a consensus unless we, you know, really compromised. So we brought in a third mediator. Yes. So we're going to give the keys to the kingdom to Nick. He is going to moderate a debate. Judge Nick Evangelista presiding. (laughs) He's going to you know, do the statement and rebuttals and is going to get to the bottom. Now, Nick, I want to verify. You have never seen Blade Runner.
1: So I started Blade Runner. Okay. The other day? <laughs> no, no, Wait. no.
0: Oh. oh.
1: I started Blade Runner once. I got <laughs> less than 10 minutes in.
2: Oh, boy. That's too bad. No. I've heard this before, though.
0: <laughs> and you have seen E.T. approximately how many years ago?
1: You know, we're we're going to measure in the dozens.
2: Okay. <laughs> in the dozens.
1: <laughs> All right. Probably a single dozen. Okay. But
2: how much of yeah, do you been, remember?
1: I mean, hey, I, I, I know the I know the spark notes, right? Right. Little alien in the closet. I think there's Reese's, the bicycle scene, right? You know, we, sure. We got the cliff notes.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we just ask as the mediator of this debate to not base your decision on your personal feelings on those movies of course you haven't seen blade runner in its entirety and you barely remember et so it's not about that judge this like you would a normal court proceeding and whoever wins the debate on the grounds of quality legacy and impact that's who you should choose as the winner and adam and i will both agree to those terms correct adam hall sure okay
2: that didn't sound very uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i don't want to be doing this <laughs> i i feel okay. i ugh. this is one of my most like dreaded podcasts i think we've ever come up with but i think this will be therapeutic and healthy for everyone maybe yeah so nick
0: the floor is yours ask away
1: all right well uh, settle down order in the court okay. order okay bailiff get over here take him away
2: bring in the dancing right. of lobsters <laughs> adam you lose nico wins okay we're done. <laughs>
1: Uh, I, no, no, no. Hey, I'm a very impartial, uh, impartial judge. Okay. So I will not let my abhorrent hatred for Blade Runner, uh, <laughs> influence my decision. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so, you know, we're going to let each of you make some, some opening statements in, in defense of this film. Now we have our three um, our three categories here again: you said legacy, right. Uh, what was the influence? In, right impact. or impact? impact? Impact. Impact.
0: And quality. And, and quality. essentially, like legacy is: can you identify it? Has it stood the test of time? Is it iconic? Does it mean something to the culture? Impact is: did it change filmmaking? Did it influence directors to come? How films were made to come, and quality? What's the best
1: movie? All right. So, I think the easiest way for us to do this is to break this down into those categories and defend them. Okay. Okay. That way. So, I actually want to start with quality. Okay. Cool. I want. I'll give each of you a couple minutes to sort of just defend that film in terms of quality. You go first. Why does it deserve to be here?
0: You would like me to go first. I don't want to go first. (laughs) Okay. Um, I will not, I will refrain from attacking the merits of Blade Runner yet, but we'll get there.
1: Um, I think we're not going to do any attacks. You're going to purely defend your film in these three categories. And then at the end, I will let you attack. Okay. okay. For a minute or two. Fair enough. Okay. Sure. Okay. Because if we, if we, if we let that happen too early, this is going to devolve into a shouting match. Yeah,
0: no. Sure. I expect it. um, E.T., It is hard to measure quality. It's really hard because film is a subjective medium. Yes. And so it's impossible to judge on a gymnastic scale, which is why we included the other two categories. So I can make some quantitative arguments and qualitative arguments, and I'm not sure which one would mean the most to you, but I can look at consensus, for example. This film has a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's universal acclaim. When it came out, every critic on the planet loved it. Now, are we to say that the critics are the end-all, be-all authority? I think earlier on in this podcast, we acknowledged that they weren't. No. But it's something. It got a lot of love at the Oscars. The American Film Institute, which Adam previously expressed some grievances with, named it the number 24 movie of all time. Number three on the science fiction list, number fifteen on the movie quotes list, number fourteen on the scores list, number six on the all-time inspirational list, and number forty-four on the thrills list. Roger Ebert said about this movie when it came out: "This is not simply a good movie. It is one of the, these movies that brushes you away, our cautions, or brushes away our cautions and wins our hearts." it's a larger-than-life type of movie because ultimately it's a movie about being a child. And it's a movie about the experience of living in a broken home. One of the things that you don't recognize until maybe the fifth viewing of this movie is that it's about divorce. The the themes of divorce hang over it incredibly heavy. There's a weightiness. There's an emotional, guttural aspect to it that you forget about when you see Elliot and E.T. flying over the moon. The mom in this movie is such a sympathetic hero. She does really honorable work, even though you could tell she's bothered by the fact that her alcoholic husband walked away on her and had an affair with some younger woman. Um, This was based on Spielberg's own experience growing up. He speaks about this at length. Um, The Michael character, the older brother to Elliot, is actually the Spielberg point-of-view character because when his father walked out on him and he was dealing with his younger sisters... Um, He had to learn to sort of be a surrogate father and that's sort of the arc that Michael goes through in the movie he learns to take care of Drew Barrymore and uh, And 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 Henry Thomas in this movie he learns to grow up. He learns to be that nurturing presence The character of E.T. is actually based on an imaginary friend (laughs) that Spielberg invented as a child after his father walked out he needed some sort of escape and this was the escape um i understand that blade runner asks a lot of big philosophical questions about the nature of humanity about the nature of existence can ai experience the same emotions that we do this movie to me just resonates more and i wouldn't i don't want to bash blade runner on those grounds but this you is a, or not no i won't this is a deeply humanist movie that is more than just a cute and cuddly movie about a puppet there are deep themes that resonate for generations about empathy, peace, being an outsider, learning to cope with the struggles of home life. And so on either the subjective grounds or the objective grounds, I think I can defend it in both ways. E.T. is the superior film in terms of quality.
2: Hmm. It's okay. So,
1: So when we talk quality as a category here, I was anticipating more of a discussion on... The actual filmmaking yeah
0: sure okay i can defend that no you can't i i i know you can't
2: i can't no you can't this is spielberg's hold on, hold best on, hold movie hold on, hold on. yeah no it's not <laughs> it's, it's spielberg's best i movie. think it's maybe so, his fifth best film what the so th- yeah so so
1: so, <gasps> I th- so hold on hold on hold on we're not attacking we're not attacking yet we're gonna order that is a crazy what the hell are um, you talking about <laughs> nico yes i i i let you i let you run on a tangent there but I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Yes. I need you to really, really talk about the, the filmmaking of this movie. Okay. Good luck. The quality of production.
0: Sure. The That's movie, what I want to hear. The movie is film school. No, it's not. <laughs> no, this This is a lesson in how to make a compelling blockbuster. <sighs> God. Behind the The thing moves, which is something that can't be said about another movie we're going to talk about, but I'm not going to get there. It moves. It's perfectly paced. The score is impeccable. It conjures up emotions. And although that those beats have become familiar because it's been ripped off so many times, you can't deny just the cinematic perfection that is this directorial effort. Everything is proficient as hell. Where the camera is placed, how the camera moves from one area to the next, the suspense when E.T. first lands in the barn and Elliot is scared of him, but then they grow to, to love each other. Uh, the shots over the the moon are just wonderful the cinematography is excellent um there is no obvious flaw with maybe the exception of the rainbow at the end Uh, that is my only nitpick of this entire movie i can't name another one so you're more than welcome to try to attack it but on a technical level this is spielberg explaining how to make a blockbuster
2: and yeah it's better than jaws sorry i was just about to say i think the best way to make a blockbuster is jaws because it's a tremendously better film it's not. Yeah, it's. It's not. Okay, so, so Spielberg, okay.
1: Okay. So, all right. So that's that's quality for ET. Okay. All right. Adam, I'm going to give you the floor. You got, you know, you got 3-4 minutes, plenty of time. Um to to really get into what what is the quality in terms of production primarily.
2: You just want production?
1: That's all you Primarily. You guys can you can dip into the other other bits of quality, but a lot of that is going to be um a lot of that's going to be covered by legacy and impact as well.
2: Okay. Uh, all right. I guess in the realm of, I mean, quality, if you're talking about blade runner, I mean, at least separate from ET, I mean, ET is talking about things that have been explored, you know, kind of time and, and time again in film. I wouldn't say that, uh, I wouldn't say that E.T. is something that, you know, I I suppose revolutionizes the way we discuss films. But then you look at something like Blade Runner that introduced kind of ideas that Nico just mentioned about themes of identity and themes of uh, uh, just existential questions about the essence of who you are and about human rights and slavery and in, 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 in the wake of technology and what our place in the world means next to overwhelming technology and whether or not we can really overcome said things you know are we better or worse than these our own creations that kind of thing and Blade Runner is the f- quite literally the first movie to ever explore those ideas in such great uh, great detail uh, and using its characters entirely to you know traverse its small but effective story um, in the realm of Uh, filmmaking though Um, I don't think there is a better film in the special effects realm if you're talking about production this is one of the greatest uh, productions I think I've ever seen I think it changed the look of science fiction forever and I don't mean just for impact yeah if we're talking about the way we, we look at film in general, I mean, I, we'll, we'll get to that, but the production itself is remarkable. I think the cinematography is some of the greatest uh, uh, cinematography uh, ever conceived in the realm of just how you present your world in the realm of uh, how you present those ideas, how you focus in on your characters just to you know elicit certain emotional responses. I think uh, the performances are uh, underrated. I find, uh, assuming you, you you watch the film with the perspective that... Uh, I, I suppose the best way for me to explain is that once you understand what the movie's talking about, I think some of the performances make a lot more sense in the realm of some characters being a, a little... Eh. Uh, what's the best way to... Describe like Harrison Ford. I suppose a little uh, lessened next to something like Rucker Howard, who's supposed to be lessened. Is the word we're using? Well, he's supposed to be a little more reserved in the way that you know, like like someone from like t- two thousand one, two thousand one. Next to say something like Hal nine thousand. I mean, the human characters are deliberately cold because the point is that like technology has advanced further than the humans themselves. Well, the
0: point is that he's a robot, isn't it?
2: Who Harrison Ford? Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. That's not. That's also not true. <laughs> okay. But, stop nico (laughs) but again like the the movie asks questions about like again what what does it really mean to to be human in the in those situations and i think uh again part of the reason harrison ford's character is so detached is just because of what he's been asked to do it's a very i think it's a very interesting character and how he's you know been hired to kill these things that he kind of understands it's not sort of right to do he's sort of long past the point where he understands that you know uh there's there's a lot more to these things that i'm going after than i than, I, than i'm willing to accept even though you know I, I have to do this because the society tells me i have to do it which i think is another interesting idea of being forced to do something because society says so uh but again in the realm of production i'll, I'll get there um also just the, the way you use lighting is revolutionary in this film the uh the way a, produ- a production is put together in the in the realm of building a world i don't think there's ever been a better practical world built it's, uh, in the special effects realm it's no CGI whatsoever, yet it all looks, uh, pretty much flawless. Uh, I think, mo- I think the film visually still holds up today, uh, quite tremendously. And, uh, I also want to talk about music, which I think is maybe, you know, one of the, again, another underrated, but maybe one of the five best scores ever written by evangelists. <laughs> uh, again, revolutionized film scores and the way synth is used throughout the eighties. Uh, I also have to take, uh, what else do I have to say about, uh, uh I mean I could go into light I don't I hate talking about like my my feelings on production because it's kind of boring but uh like again the way you use lighting to craft a noir landscape again this is Uh, that stuff to me is
1: important in this argument okay okay, yeah
2: but again like very distinct and very different sort of uh, uh, cinematic styles by Jordan Cronenwith who uh, brilliantly filmed this film and whatnot and Mm -hmm. I think the film's sound design is incredible again for just adding to the the landscape and the dystopian future that this movie creates it's just remarkable and um, yeah next to next to something like E.T. I mean this is just distinct E.T. is you know in the realm of the look of the movie there's just nothing there (laughs) <laughs> I, th- I think i think visually this is one of the most unforgettable films ever made you you look at something like blade runner and you see where everything else came from because it's so detailed and so well realized and you start to be like oh yeah this is where all those other films are are are, are birthed from because just that production is you know unmistakable and again you, you it, it's impossible to forget about this film after you've seen it and i can't quite say that about et can i rebut Sure.
0: On quality, can we have this conversation and then move on to the other ones?
1: Sure. I, I, I'm not sure that's such a safe idea,
0: because <laughs> I, I may forget all the points that he just made, and I have a rebuttal for all of them.
1: Can you sum it up in ten seconds? No, but I, I I'll sum well, it up in th- it. thirty. I can do it in thirty. I know. I know you're thirty. Is, uh... I'll do it in thirty. Let me do
0: it in thirty. Then he can. Do, then he can take two minutes. I don't care how long he takes. Uh. Look man, the idea that like noir lighting is a unique idea to Blade Runner is just silly. I mean, Orson Welles was doing that 50 I didn't years say that. Ago. No, but you said that the lighting in this was revolutionary with how you shoot a futuristic noir. It was borrowing lots of Orson Welles elements. The okay. stark contrast, the dark and the light, the, the I know the narration was taken out in later versions, but Like, that's not new. And the idea that building a futuristic landscape in the sky, I mean, Metropolis did that in 1927. So, I mean, it's borrowing a lot of... So, to say that that's all revolutionary, that's not fair. I'm not touting E.T.'s revolutionary nature in a visual way. I'm saying that it's the perfect version of that story. I think you're going a little overboard in saying these questions and these visual styles are revolutionary in Blade Runner. I, I, this is based on a novel for god's sake a philip k dick novel from 1968 called do androids dream of electric sheep okay. he's the one that posed these questions 20 years earlier sure so just I'm talking about it, film though i'm not well, talking I, about i'm
2: not talking about in novels i'm just these, talking about in the realm of movie making these are not questions unique to the
0: film blade runner is my point i or think they I was asking similar questions about about consumerism and dystopian future a brave new world was asking those not same questions in the early no. 1900s no but the but the idea of consumerism the giant atari and it's coca-cola not, logos not really about that though all that stuff is in there i mean it's basically an extended uh, a, a a dissertation on the Turing test That's what it is It's a movie about the Turing test yes. And those are philosophical questions That were posed many years earlier And in many science fiction novels On, on the page So I think you're overstating the I'm revolution. not talking about on f-
2: page I'm just talking about in movies I
0: know but it's not But it's not unique to the movie though I mean okay. just because well, I We're adapt-
2: just talking about so you're, Ta- you're, you're, you're,
1: you're attacking the impact right now Nico Okay fair He's talking about the movie Fair enough No but he's, talking about, he's lighting, he talking about it specifically With lighting though the- He's, he, I, I okay I'm you guys are talking but I'm writing notes on quality okay at the moment I'm letting you talk but I'm just picking out the notes on quality at the moment got it understood um the performances
0: are a little flat and you were very generous in that description of Harrison Ford's performance.
2: Um, It's a flat performance, dude. Well, he's cold. It's very cold. He's supposed to be, though, given given what his character is doing. But
0: you can be both compelling and cold at the same time. You don't find him compelling? I don't. That's strange. And more specifically, it's a a lovers on the run story. It's about... You know,
2: it's, a, it's I don't understand how you can call it a lovers on the run story. It
0: absolutely is. How? It's about a guy that falls
2: in love with a robot and he decides to choose her over his job. The whole movie is not structured around them, though. I don't understand how you can call it a lovers on the run story when that story is uh, climaxed and finished halfway through the movie. It, doesn't, it, it does not finish halfway through the movie. The, the arc of, the movie of those is them ca-
0: running away. The
2: arc of those characters is done How halfway through the film. How can you say that? The movie right, ends right. with them literally running away. How is it not a love? That's the, the emotional movie en- climax the of movie, the film. The movie ends asking an existential question about who Deckard really is. And if that's your
0: defense, I'm sorry. As I've said several times, this is a lovers on the run story where I do not care about the
2: lovers. I do not care about the relationship. I mean, the entire movie is structured around Roy Batty and Harrison Ford. And there's only like, like, two three scenes with the, the romance I don't I don't I mean you can look at that and say yeah it's a lovers on the run story but I just look at it and say it's just more uh, it's more of a device to explore the, the these themes of what the, these particular replicants actually represent in the grand scheme of things it just okay. seems like another facet of that idea okay rather I, than right, an actual well, by the one. way yeah, I gonna, would
0: not doubt I don't want to bash the Rutger Howard performance I think it's an iconic performance one of the great supporting villain performances sure. in the history of film I'm not going to go there but also right. bro He's gonna got gonna some in. great gotta performances too
1: we got to jump into the
0: just because they're kids just because they're in suburbia don't mean it can't be as good dude and can't mean that he it's the best possible version of a suburban sci-fi story i'm sorry maybe let's not talk about okay go ahead
2: all
1: right, all right. we're gonna talk about I wanna, do you want to rebut in. do
2: you want to rebut on et I was just about to say, and no like lighting methods used in this film, even though like visually are similar to Citizen Kane, are certainly different in the way you actually like like take that technology again, the way like Jordan Croneworth was lighting this film was very different from anybody that came before or even any of his contemporaries mm-hmm. and certainly, when you talk about the, the the influence of other cultures onto a lighting scene, like this is pretty much. The first film to really revolutionize like neon lighting schemes, which became borrowed fuck knows how many times. Uh, and yeah, I would also, I would also, <laughs> I mean, what's it? I'm trying to, I, no, I already said what I was going to say about the, the production. I was going to mention like the use of miniatures is probably one of the best uses of, of, of miniatures to create a world in a film like this. Yeah. E.T. doesn't try to tell that story, but it tells its version of the story the best possible way that it
0: can. So mm-hmm. I don't think that we should judge based on scope or judge based on difficulty of special effects. This is the best version of I, I, I don't like that you're giving them credit for attempting the harder thing.
1: That's well, all. I think that. No, I mean, that, to a degree. What are your feelings there, on there Apocalypse be, Now
2: versus Alien?
1: Hold, hold on. To we a, a put degree, alien and in. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to weigh in here really quick to a degree. You do have to judge something based on on how far it tried to go mm-hmm. in addition to how well did it get
2: there and i will also so, say that this is next to i i honestly don't think they've ever done this sto- honestly they have done the story better blade runner and it just so happens to be blade runner 2049
1: <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm gonna give i'm gonna give a small little example here um you know if you have um two art pieces right so somebody who uh Tries to make the best finger painting versus <laughs> the guy painting the Sistine Chapel, right? You know, even if uh, the finger painting was the best finger painting in the world, you know, I, I can't say that it's going to be better than the worst version of the Sistine Chapel. It's just the sheer scope is going to be impressive to I a degree. I
0: wholeheartedly disagree with No, me. no, no no, I-
1: no, 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 no. I'm giving you a, a exaggerated example. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm not saying that automatically means that Blade Runner is better because it tried something more, but I'm saying you do have to take it into account if they both get there.
2: But I think you Blade do have to take
1: it into account. <laughs> it, no, you, if, 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 yes, even, if, no, no, no. Even if they don't fully get there, if they get pretty close, well, if they one gets there and
0: the other one doesn't,
2: I think Blade I'll Runner. give
0: Blade Runner credit if it was the perfect execution of that story. There have been seven different cuts of Blade Runner released, and you, the film nerd, many of you got, and you know who I'm talking about, Adam Hall. ...acknowledge that the best version of Blade Runner came out in 2007. That's true. So it took them a very long time to get this thing right by your metric. Sure. So to say that this was a perfect execution of the story, it's just simply false by your own admission. It's a slow-ass story. There's weird rape stuff going on with the fucking... With the robot... It, that's true. The pacing in the first act is painfully boring. E. T. moves effectively. It gets a, it gets it right. It gets the tone. It gets the mood. It gets the vibe right. Blade Runner took too
2: long, <sighs> and even say, that's not a great version of if, it. If you're talking about vibe, let's see. I disagree with that. I don't think E. T. moves very well okay. at all. I mean, if we're, go- I, I, one of the reasons. I guess we'll get to it soon. But I mean, if in the realm well, of like, let's let's jump into impact. Okay. Yeah, Let's just jump into Impact. We've already been touching on it, so Adam, I'm going to let you start. Uh, this is one of the five most important films ever made. Okay. I'm just, I'm just going to say it. This film changed. It essentially created the cyberpunk genre in film. It uh, created everything we know about the futuristic, dark, dystopic landscape in science fiction. Uh, everything was copied after Blade Runner. There have been countless ripoffs. There have been countless great films that inspired this movie. Like? uh like Robocop uh set the precedent for Terminator the Matrix is like cited time and time again Batman Begins uh most of uh Christopher Nolan's uh um filmography actually um most of Guillermo del Toro's filmography James Cameron's filmography I would also say uh The Fifth Element Her Ex Machina I mean, Jesus Christ, Westworld. This movie pretty much started it all. I mean, this is one of the this is one of those tentpole films that just birthed creativity throughout the industry, and it didn't. the The funny thing about it is that it doesn't just resonate with film. It also goes. I mean, I mean, Jesus, this movie is single-handedly responsible for like some of the greatest like video games ever made some of the best literature written afterwards. And it still gets copied to, to, I mean, time and time and time again. And it's become so iconic where it's like, even if you haven't seen the movie in that way, you still know it just because of that imagery. Uh, And I, I think that the the existence of Blade Runner 2049 is evident of that. The fact that they thought like, okay, we're going to make a movie and do it right because it's so beloved at this point is, you know, evident enough. And, um, Jesus, as far as, like, you, this is this is still impact? I mean, Mike... My- Wait, you you think they made a sequel to Blade Runner
0: because of the tremendous impact it's had for 30 years? You I think, think because you think, of the love, yeah. You think studio
2: executives said, Guillermo del Toro copied Blade Runner, I think so because- now we're going to greenlight a sequel? I think the fact that so many filmmakers and so many artists today are still copying Blade That's Runner... That's
0: responsible for the sequel? Not the fact that Hollywood has been... Has been resurrecting every piece of dead IP since 1955 these I, days. That's not the reason well, why... usually they the, the, the stuff sequels. that they resurrect is stuff that has a legacy, though. They re... They re- they did a Ghostbusters female reboot, dude. Because people like, love Ghostbusters. No, we're talking impact. What are you talking, talking about? No, no, this is an argument on Impact. This is not on Legacy. I will say that
2: Ghostbusters has an okay. impact. No they're, <laughs> no,
0: they're resurrecting stuff that they think is commercially viable. I don't buy that they're resurrecting it to pay homage oh They're not spending
2: $90 million to make the Wachowskis feel good. You, you know would, what I'm saying? You wouldn't do a, a resurrection on, on stuff that didn't have anything going on, though. I mean, you're not going to do like a remake of like Anaconda. <laughs>
0: well they did an anaconda sequel though
2: sure but it didn't do anything it did well, do neither it. did Blade Runner 2049 did, but that's it, besides the point <sighs> that but that's besides the point though. but 30 years later is what I'm saying they
0: believe that it would be commercially viable I don't buy I don't buy this argument that it was made because a bunch of filmmakers at in Hollywood all had the warm and fuzzy like at it. all you don't think that has anything to do I mean why do they think it's gonna be commercially
2: viable Dune is being remade now sure Dune had no impact so Dune what? was a colossal failure. Dune's not being remade, it's just being adapted again because they keep trying to get that fucking thing made. I don't buy the idea that it's... it's. Th- Why would they think it's commercially viable if they didn't think that there's something good behind it? If it's like, oh yeah, people actually There's a lot like of it. shitty movies that are commercially viable. Yeah, but remaking, or not remake, but rebooting it and doing a I'm sequel 30 to, years later?
1: I am starting to agree with the point here that I think Legacy has more impact on... Um, whether or not a movie will get rebooted in 2019 yes versus impact.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah impact I, I mean impact I think legacy, which does not necessarily mean the movie's good. No. Legacy just means that people know it and they talk about it and they reference it. Um, I think legacy is why people make reboots and sequels and things like that, not necessarily impact. Yeah.
2: And impact is, all I'm saying is that this movie kind of changed cinema. It just did. And it's been cited time and time again. It's the movie that- it influenced-
1: So- Influenced everything. It
2: it didn't just influence, like, film, though. It influenced literature. No, but I mean, it influenced the
1: right people. Yeah, all the right. I mean- It influenced the directors and influenced- Yeah.
2: Even today, though, like, I- Because, I I mean, you know, we're, we're millennials. We watch YouTube all the time. But even just, like, randoms, I just- see people citing this movie as just a nice creative influence like kids our age and I, I, that I don't, I don't understand how they even pick up on that stuff but I'm like wow it's, it's, it's interesting that you people actually care about this thing I mean, and it's just funny to me, given the fact that, I mean, we'll get to legacy, but where this film came from when it first came out versus where it is now, it's incredible. But also, I have to say, again, if we're talking about just simply impact, yes, you, don't, you essentially don't have Christopher Nolan without Blade Runner. He's, this is like one of his tentpole films. Without him, he's, he specifically cites his vision for Gotham as Blade Runner. His, his his original inspiration comes directly from Blade Runner, which carried over to The Dark Knight and less so The Dark Knight Rises. But that's not a movie, Nick. Don't worry. Give me more <laughs> points. Yeah, they're never going to be published. <laughs> but yeah, release that movie. And then Frank Darabont is oddly another in, interest, interesting uh, a source where, where he, he has a lot of love for film. Also a lot of criticism for the film on its original release, but he takes it very realistically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... And yeah, the movie is has, has such an impact that Star Wars started ripping it off. Well, Star Wars also started ripping off E.T. That's also true. Yep. <laughs> E.T.'s actually in Star Wars. Yes, he you know is. That? Episode 3. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he is. But the, the, the entire Coruscant scene, I mean, like, <laughs> like half of the planets that they make up now are just directly ripped from Blade Runner, aside from like the desert planets and shit like that. I mean, Coruscant from the entire prequel trilogy, George Lucas has admitted like, yeah, that's just Blade Runner. That's all it is. Can I go? All right. And I mean, there's, I, there's so just
1: much. Just collecting my thoughts on just, paper here. I mean, okay.
2: there's so much more. I, th- I mean, the, the impact of this movie is just like immeasurable. The fact that it just births a genre of science fiction essentially is something that you can't let go unignoring. I mean, I, I don't care. You if know, you know. I
1: will say this is um, I say I've not seen all of Blade Runner, but I've seen enough Blade Runner things to understand the setting.
2: Yep. Ghost in the Shell and, is directly ripped from Blade Runner. Well see so, yeah, you Ooh. can see,
1: you know, a brand new game coming out next year that everybody's excited about yeah. is um Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Yep. And I would actually say at this point, half of like Keanu Reeves' career
2: The Matrix, as I said, is directly exactly ripped. Ripped. Yeah. spawned from mm-hmm. from this genre. Even John Wick. I was gonna say I'm just about to say John Wick's world is also very, very uh Blade Runner inspired. So, so So I see I
1: see I I think I get
2: it's Get everywhere. That's, from. that's all I'm saying is that it is everywhere and you quite literally can't escape. Even if you've never seen the movie, it's there even if you're if if even if right. you not looking for it. It's just the way it is.
1: All right, Nico.
2: Okay.
0: Well, we sometimes walk a very delicate tightrope on this podcast and this is obviously going to be up to our arbitrator to make this distinction. But we talk about impact kind of delicately because as film snobs and <sighs> as people that Like movies that not a lot of like mainstream fans enjoy, you have to discuss impact in terms of did they influence the right people? Mm -hmm. And that we sometimes give a movie credit if it influences a movie like Robocop. Which is a movie that we both adore, but is not necessarily a mainstream movie, as opposed to influencing Stranger Things, mm-hmm. which is a television show that is way more beloved than RoboCop, but is perhaps doesn't have the same artistic merit. Yeah, it's not as good. So the argument that Adam always makes is, this not only had a tremendous influence, but it had treme- tremendous influence for good. And what my argument often is, is it doesn't matter if it had a tremendous influence for good or for bad, it just had a tremendous
2: influence. So, you understand the distinction, Nick? I don't think, I I, I understand
1: where you're coming from. Are you gonna
2: make the argument that E.T. is more impactful? Yeah. So this
0: this is gonna have to be the delicate tightrope that you walk in, listen.
1: Well, so here's the weird thing, is so far it sounds like you're saying not only is E.T. more impactful, but it's more impactful for bad.
0: Well, I'm not going to make the distinction of good or bad. I'm just going to say it was it it was impactful. Listen, you can right, decide in whether order or not to, you think in it's in more impactful. In order to
1: beat him, it would have to have influenced a certain amount of bad to put you over the line of the good. Why? I'm just that's I'm just saying based on the way you've you've set up your argument so far. Well, no, it's I fundamentally flawed. But all right. Well, no, I
0: it. I I just don't think that we should be in the business of dis of determining if it's an influence for good or an influence for bad. But I think it's
1: it's in, in. I think that's fundamentally what your podcast is about. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but
2: we're, we're talking you know, about good and okay. bad, and I also think it's just objective. I I don't I, don't. I mean like,
1: you know, to a degree, I, I feel like if if that if that's the rabbit, I'm I'm, an, I'm I'm not trying to be a jerk here, but if that's a rabbit hole you're trying to go down, then you have to look at the most influential children's film of whatever year is it eighty two? What year are you doing?
0: Right, which you yeah nineteen eighty
1: two. Yes, yeah, so you have to look at the most influential children's film and put that up against. You know. Well, we did though. Oh, sure, E. T. Yeah, okay. Well, no, no, no. I, I'm talking about like a like a kids cartoon or like I mean.
0: Well, put it this way: we put Toy Story in in 1995.
1: I mean, okay, this is like rating. Here's a good example. Let's say this podcast is about movie. This would be like or about music. This would be like putting Kids Bop up against like you know a, a new Taylor Swift album.
0: Kids Bop is never gonna have the influence of a Taylor Swift it album, does.
1: no matter what. Sure. My point is, you have to sort of acknowledge what is good. You can't just well, say, no, "Oh, uh, it had influence for bad." Like, well, I I, I no, but Bla- I no, but
0: Blade Runner has been ripped off in bad versions as well. Fewer. <laughs> well, here is my point. Sure. To- okay, Toy Story okay. created a new style of animation. That's why we put it in in nineteen ninety five. There okay. have been a shit ton of three D animation that Pixar style that have been total dog shit over the past 20 years. Yes, but we don't deny that that, that movie's impact because that movie right. ultimately has no control over whether or not it's ripped off for good or for bad. Yep. So so that's my only point, right? We are still chasing E.T. to this day, more actively now than we're chasing Blade Runner. Blade Runner certainly has influenced a lot of very important filmmakers but we are chasing the nostalgia of the 80s and et for good or for ill defined that entire decade of cinema i don't think there's any doubt it's back to the future and it's et those are the two most iconic movies of the 80s it can you explain how we're chasing et today stranger things so what it lilo and stitch
1: (laughs) well it's a remake Yes. Yeah, no, but but so. no,
0: no, But no. now it's more in the spirit of E.T. Than, than it was then. The Iron Giant, Super 8. Actually, really, the entirety of J.J. Abrams' filmography. Attack the Block, Midnight Special.
2: Not Attack the Block. Oh, I completely disagree. Like Have you seen oh Attack my, the Block? That movie has is has not going nothing... to influence my decision. Don't worry. Oh, my God. <laughs> Attack the Block has fucking nothing to do with E.T.
0: The, um... the X-Files has elements of E.T. in it, right? The, the, the popularity of, of eighty cinema today... Again, you may criticize it, but the, the whole reason why filmmakers continue to rip off that shit is because the sensation of watching E.T. the first time is a magical one. Sure. That's why. And we're chasing it more... Str- Listen, Blade Runner movie came out last year. Not a lot of people saw it. We're talking about impact in a second. We won't get there. But... Are we films about- now are actively being made chasing that same sensation. So... Look, you make the argument on the grounds of lighting, impact, influence. I I poked holes in that just a while ago. Orson Welles did all that shit. It's a neo-noir. It's noir with robots. It's been done before. So I don't necessarily buy that the filmmaking style, the visuals perhaps
2: influence things. But the actual filmmaking style, it's taken Traditions I'm from not the past it's and wholly, made it wholly original. Not exactly, but again, though it there, there there's a great example. Like uh, and Nick probably probably won't care. I mean, another video game reference. But there's like Doom and Wolfenstein. And when you talk about something like Wolfenstein, mm-hmm. it's the first first person shooter. But no one really cares about it in that way. It's not the the, the game that really revolutionized games.
1: No, Halo would be the one. Yeah. that revolutionized. Halo would be the one that would win an impact, even though it wasn't the first one. Yes,
2: exactly. Exactly. So I,
1: I, I don't I don't know if I even agree with that as well, Nico. Unfortunately,
2: yeah. it's just it's just the it's I'm just. But,
1: but I get I do get where you're coming from. It is sort of maybe it's not novel, or maybe it's not as novel as Adam presented it, which I I, I do see.
0: I think the fact that E. T. defined an entire era of cinema speaks to its impact. I think I I, I think that is it, it is it's far more. Uh, I think it's a bad, charac- it's I, a it's a better characterization of that genre or that sorry that decade of film than Blade Runner is. I don't think it's the best
2: eighties film, and honestly, it doesn't. No, we're not talking about best; we're talking about defined it. Defined it? Okay. Define the era. That's fine. I think what what people have been chasing. I think the fact that they've been chasing it as 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 like voraciously as they have is sort of a bad thing. I mean, one of my least favorite things about cinema today is eighties nostalgia because a lot of it's not good. Like a lot of those movies you mentioned are not good, and they're not things that people are ever going to rip from. I don't even really care for Stranger well, Things.
1: Yeah, even chasing it today. Now I'm not. This is not me I'm making a statement one way or the other towards your guys' arguments, but this is just an interesting point you just brought up. Chasing the '80s today
2: it's flawed is flawed to me.
1: Different because mm-hmm. ET was in the '80s. They weren't chasing the '80s. They were just. This yeah, is they what cr- we are. Yes,
2: they created the '80s. Per- precisely
1: well, right. Well, sure. Sure. So, but chasing the '80s today is is based on what you said earlier about ET is the wrong move. ET is not about the '80s. Yes, it defined the '80s. You know. But that doesn't that doesn't but, but override that's not what it's the impact. About. So, I, I get no, I get what you
2: mean. When I'm you not, say I, I, filmmakers like are said, chasing said,
0: the '80s, when you say that statement, what you're really saying is filmmakers are chasing ET.
2: <laughs> that's real. That's actually what you're saying. And they're just driving the industry into its detriment i mean the problem is that again what, back to the future to be honest probably and have i would say but yeah that. no that's not that's just not true i was saying i think that's, back just, to the fe- that's that's just not true back to the future is the one that people are, are, are the references chasing. i see
1: typically yeah.
2: i just anytime you set a
0: movie in a suburb anytime you set it on a cul-de-sac
2: what about I mean? all- horror films i mean that's just like halloween this is the movie that people are following, saying. man. I do get kids what you're on saying, bicycles in that and a cul-de-sac. That's ET. We're going to talk about iconography here too, man. I mean, this is—I don't think—and <laughs> also, by the way, it opened the door for science fiction to have a truly human side And Blade Runner didn't. <sighs> That is so stupid. That's oh, not, my God. Not to the same level. Oh, my this movie God. This about a fucking kid going I, through divorce, I don't dude. give a shit. Blade Runner's still more intimate than fucking E.T. Oh, how dare Jesus you, sir? Okay. How all right, all dare you. you? Oh, my God. All right. All right.
1: All right. <laughs> <But> let's let's <laughs> move on. Here. Move on. I've made a decision. Wait. We didn't talk on, about legacy. We didn't talk about... Yeah. Two car- On two categories. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Oh, no. So far. Okay. So, we're going to jump into the last one. Uh-huh. We're going to jump into legacy. Yep. Again. The reason, we did, the reason we started with quality moved it to legacies, because I knew you guys were going to touch upon bits of it we, as we go, we, I so you, you touched upon sort of, a bit of legacy already.
2: Mm-hmm. Tapped, but and tapped around it.
1: Jump in. Full dive. Who goes first? Um, last time Adam went first again. You went first the first time, so Nico, back to you.
0: Okay. Uh, Your Honor, I submit to you two quotes. <laughs> I'm going to read one for you. Ready? I want you to tell me if you recognize this quote. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watch sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tannhauser Gate. All these moments will be lost in time like tears in rain. Ever heard that quote before?
2: No. No. no, no, I doubt you have.
0: I'm going to read this quote for you now. (laughs) I want you to tell me if you've heard this quote. E.T. Phone home. (laughs) Okay. You heard that quote before?
1: No. No, of course. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The the former is the most. The former is much more beautiful.
0: But that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about identifiability. Sure. Um, I know. That quote is the most famous quote from Blade Runner. Correct, Adamo? Probably. E.T. is the most famous quote from Mm -hmm. E.T. E.T. Phone (laughs) Home is the most famous quote from E.T. Could you name for me one iconic shot or iconic
2: scene from Blade Runner? I think the film as a whole is a little bit different than that.
0: Do you have an image in your head when you think Blade Runner? I do. What is the image? Nick hasn't seen the movie. No, what, no. What is the no? But seriously, what is the image?
2: It's the image of the Asian, uh, um, uh, like like billboard plastered onto the side of the building with the spinner flying across in the rain. Okay. Or or I could just cite the the dystopian city as the rains falling with the fire I mean, coming up. It's that's very, what I think of when I think of Blade Runner. I think of neon signs, rain. Right. I think you think of the
1: movie as a whole. This is.
0: Let's imagine Nick different. never saw E.T. Okay. Would he have seen the shot of E.T. and Elliot over the moon? Uh probably. Yes. I still that's a
2: strange argument. I think he would have seen most of the stuff in Blade Runner. Would he have seen would he have known what the Reese's PC scene was all about? Mm, no. Of no, course.
1: honestly, no. no, that one kind of falls through the cracks yeah. today. E- I didn't even E.T. I didn't
0: E.T. with the light up finger. His finger yes, lighting up one, touching yes. Elliot's
1: forehead. Yeah, that I agree with, yeah. That one. Right. The bicycle and the E. T. finger are the two that today stand out. And actually, I want to say something kind of interesting is in the past maybe 10 years, the bicycle thing has sort of gone away. Mm-hmm. Have you um, noticed that when we were kids? How so? When we were kids and we'd go to the movie theater, I would see that in like the opening credits. Uh, of well,
0: that used to be, I think. For Amblin Entertainment. Amblin Entertainment, which right. no longer exists.
1: Right. That, so was I, would a see that I would see company. that a lot more. And even just the idea of, like, kids riding bicycles today, you don't see it as much. It's, I mean, that sort of started to go away. The E.T. finger thing, though, the where the finger lights up and he touches his forehead, that I think is the most iconic. I agree.
0: We talk about legacy, or we talked about specifically the sequel. Um, mm. Listen, I'm, I can only make, I guess, in this, in this area, uh, quantitative arguments. The original film has grossed $84,000 in its lifetime after several re-releases it certainly has a cult classic status among film nerds it certainly is a celebrated film and I do not deny that people like you adore this movie and think of it very fondly and it is iconic to you ET grossed 359 million in 1982 yes in the in America 619 worldwide the original film lost money Mm -hmm. this movie at the time was the highest grossing movie ever And now, adjusted for inflation, is the number three movie of all time on the box office list. Only behind Gone with the Wind, Star Wars, and The Sound of Music. You have E.T. at four, you have Titanic at five. Mm -hmm. So the idea that it is not identifiable, didn't have a cultural impact, it was a sensation in 1982. Mm -hmm. You know, the sequel, they commissioned the sequel, right, to, to Blade Runner, only grossed $90 million in the US. Two fifty nine worldwide lost eighty million dollars despite universal acclaim from critics. They were they loved Denis Villeneuve's direction and had by the way an A minus cinema score. Yeah, which means good word of mouth. A cinema score measures it's a poll after you leave the theater. Audience members comment whether or not they like the movie. It's a way of gauging word of mouth. That's a great way of doing it. Still flopped at the box office, lost a lot of money. We're never going to see another Blade Runner movie ever again. Not. Right. Could you imagine if an ET sequel came out tomorrow? Could I?
1: Could you imagine I, th- that, I, I think that would be a very bad thing. Yes. No.
0: It, it would no doubt be a bad thing for the le- for the um, for how we remember the original film. But how many people would see that movie? It would be gigantic. It would be one of the. It would be Avengers, Star Wars, and that would be the biggest tentpole movies of the year. Mm-hmm. It would be everything. Right, legacy is about cultural impact. You can quote it. You can visualize it. You know it if you haven't seen it. The theme by John Williams is an iconic one. It was a cult, not a cult sensation, but a national sensation. It grew over the next year. All people saw was E.T. in the movies for like a year in 1982. And as I said, define the 80s. So on the grounds of legacy, I don't know if you have a leg to stand on. It is by far
2: and away the more iconic film. And I disagree. I think Blade Runner is a lot more iconic. (laughs) Let let me put it to you this way. I have seen E.T. like a hundred times. A hundred times. I've seen Blade Runner, I don't know, like maybe 20 times. I have seen E.T. more recently than Blade Runner, actually. And I can never remember E.T. How so? What do you mean I just don't remember it. The movie leaves my head. I don't think, if you're talking about like... How the film sticks with you. I think you only remember the iconic shots that are magical and wonderful and ooh ah, and that's great. It's a nice, good feeling movie. It's a great film in that way, but I think it's, it's I don't know, it's not a film that sticks with you. It's not the best Spielberg film. I think most people will agree that there are at least like four other films that eclipse it. Blade I mean, Runner is not Ridley Scott's best film. No, but it's, it's certainly at least his second best. People, there's at least debate. I don't think there's any debate. There is
0: debate over E.T. I
2: completely disagree. Well, the American Film Institute put it only behind Schindler's List on their well, list. Well, in the realm where there's Schindler's List and Jaws and Raiders of the Lost Ark, especially with our generation, too, where, when Jurassic Park came out and everyone just forgot about something like E.T., it's like, oh, yeah, Jurassic Park's the shit now. <coughs> it's like, I don't I don't believe people really reference E.T. in the realm of like Spielberg films, and I don't believe they really reference it in the realm of blockbusters. Perhaps film nerds don't, but culture does. No. I disagree. Of course culture does. No, do. I don't see it. I just don't see it. I honestly see more people referencing Blade Runner nowadays. <sighs> who, who are these people? Have you played? Have, who are these strawmen? Have you been surrounded by people who like, I mean, we are surrounded by plenty of people who like movies, but what about people who play video games? We're not talking
0: about this is not the video game hall of fame. This is the I movie
2: don't care. hall of, I'm of fame. I'm talking about legacy. I'm this is talking the movie
0: of, all, This is the movie hall of fame. I'm here. talking about legacy though. I mean, who are these who are these strawmen that you're talking to where it's like Blade Runner is more quotable. Blade I Runner is quotable. more visually distinct. Blade Runner is more memorable.
2: What's Who are these people? What's, this is what's more iconic? Uh uh is Road Warrior or uh, uh Thunderdome? Thunderdome is. Absolutely Thunderdome is.
0: Uh, no, it is though. No, but it uh, it is, Adam. Uh, We're talking about cultural impact. I'm not saying it's a you aren't mixing the categories here. Oh, my here. God. You're arguing on I the grounds of quality because I you view E.T. as a disposable movie. I can't and even, that's I'd not fair. I have no idea what he's talking You're viewing about. It, no, you are viewing Ugh. it in the terms of it means a lot to film nerds, which means it means a lot to the culture. That ain't right, bro. You don't have a monopoly on the culture. Regular film goers don't have, have a monopoly, have monopoly on have the a culture monop- <laughs> I, You're 100% right I don't Watching E.T. as a child is a coming of age moment sure. There's not a single fucking parent I've ever met in my life That hasn't shown their child E.T. Okay Okay so this side You don't have a monopoly on that You can't decide Just because Blade Runner Has some cool shots In in outer space And cool shots in the air Has cool billboards Alright You can't make the distinction That it's now a more A more uh, It has a fonder legacy ar- Among the culture Just because it has a fonder legacy Among film nerds We talked about Impact already You
2: had your moment to shine In the Impact category heard more people We're talking t- about culture now Yeah I've heard more people Talk shit recently about E.T. Than I have ever Blade Runner Runner. Who? Zach?
0: <laughs> oh, Zach Caponegro now has a monopoly on the culture. Fucking hates it. Every child in the history
2: of mankind has seen it. You admitted you've seen it a hundred times. Yeah, and I don't. It, the fact that I don't remember it as well is is a problem. And I think that's true for a lot I'm of sorry people. sorry you don't remember it well. That's a movie that I revisit in my head all the time. I can't replay the movie in my head.
0: I'm just basing off of what I understand. Okay, so now the argument is, you don't remember E.T., I do remember
2: E.T. Well, that ain't much of an argument, bro. You remember E.T. more than Blade yes, Runner? Yes. As far I, as visually? Of course! What about e- in iconography? Of course! You remember E.T. as a whole, not the shots or, or some of the quotes. You yes. remember the movie as a whole more <clears throat> fondly than Blade Runner. Yes. it To me, Blade Runner is like the psycho music. The whole movie is just one big psycho music where it's like you know that sound even if you haven't seen the movie you know exactly where it comes from whereas something we've been
1: going on this for a while i know i know
2: but if we're talking (laughs) about i just
1: realized how much time has actually
2: passed but i'm looking at something like like the entire landscape of that movie and everything that it created again you know exactly what it is even if you don't know precisely where it came from Mm -hmm. it's like the movie as a whole is significantly more iconic in my opinion it's also got the greater legacy as far as like, uh, like critically. It's very, I, what I was going to point to earlier was that it's very, very impressive to me that this, that Blade Runner was not, Let me check my notes. Was, was not commercially beloved when it came out. 98% on
0: so, Rotten Tomatoes as opposed to 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Whatever. Okay. I think
1: I've
2: made a decision, guys. Believe it or not. Okay. Oh boy. But I'm saying, Blade, it's interesting to me when you get something like Blade Runner, again, not commercially all that successful not even critically beloved it was like people were like it's okay essentially
0: the judge has made a decision but then
2: yeah. let me let me finish Okay, I think it's more it's very interesting how this movie just just built steam and built up and built up and built up to the point where people do reference it now and people yeah. do talk to it now, t- do talk about it now it's just this little cult film that has become a part of our pop culture. and that's very honorable I think it's part of pop culture now. it's, it's I'm, very I'm, honorable yes it's, it's strange margin don't don't take this as, as a as part of my my, my larger argument. I was playing a, p- a p- game of Pictionary the other day <laughs> where like no like it's like a kid's game and one of the it's like pop culture movie trivia like like write down this movie and have people guess it based on your drawings and th- the category was Blade Runner and if a fucking Pictionary game I understand that's stupid but but the fact that it would be in I get a what pict- you mean though no, no, I get it what would you be mean. in a Pictionary game at all is, is pretty amazing the fact that it was just this film that no one saw back in the day and now it's here.
0: Yeah. The, so- the fact
2: that it's and but again if we're talking about <clears throat> Can I I say about, like, its legacy and what it gave to—I mean, if we're we're inducting, like, a movie, by the way, and the year is just 1982, and if we're talking about the film that I guess should get inducted, I suppose I would want to induct the film that that year should be the most proud of. I mean, I want the film to get—the film that I want to get inducted should be the film that that year, like, like, what year— the movie that I guess gave the most to film, the thing that that year gave the most to film i i 'm I'm fumbling on my words now it's
0: s- not just the most to film though it's the most to culture
2: but that's <sighs> but that's part of it that's
0: part of the that's the guide that's the guidelines that we set for ourselves. But, again
2: again culture so, in general is just dated is the thing culture guys, I, culture dies man it doesn't I have re- a decision okay he he decided
1: and I want to before very specifically. Telling you, here's who won. Okay. I want to explain. I'm
0: so fucking nervous, by the
2: way.
1: <laughs> I want to explain a couple things and explain how we got there. Okay. All right. So first off, I, I do want to say this: outside of you guys pitting these two films against each other, yeah, there is nothing really wrong with either of them. No, your yeah. arguments for both of your guys' arguments for these movies were pretty sound. And I would also say that both of your guys' arguments against the other movie were pretty atrocious and pretty poorly constructed. <laughs> Thank you. They're both good films. <laughs> okay. um, and the only reason I believe you guys really even attacked each other is because you're putting, pitting them against each other. If 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 uh, ET came out one year prior, this wouldn't we wouldn't be having this discussion. There's no <laughs> reason to compare these films other than they came out in the same year.
0: I go for the jugular in the courtroom, Nick.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I want to say, um, Adam, I think that... Alexa, shut up. Adam, I think that your interpretation of legacy is a little flawed. Okay. Uh, Legacy, I I do agree, is a cultural impact, um, and it's about uh, being able to identify these things instantly. Nico, I think that your arguments towards the impact of the film were also fundamentally flawed um, you know you say this movie defined the 80s and sure in a way but it's it, I don't think it necessarily impacted things as much as you think it did I think it was more of a time capsule of the 80s than something that really um, impacted the future in that way you're right it was um, pretty much a perfectly done film From my memory of seeing E.T. It's a good movie, you know, and I know Spielberg makes good movies. Yes. So. I can only imagine that it's like a perfectly done film. Sure. But I I really don't necessarily think it can claim ownership of every kid riding a bicycle in film (laughs) from that point on. (laughs) I think that's a little.
0: Okay. Okay. Now. Wait, did you just claim two winners in the legacy and impact category, by the way?
1: Yes. Okay.
0: ET so I won legacy. I won impact. Oh, I won legacy, he won impact. I wish
2: I had more time to talk about quality, Adam won though. impact.
1: Now, I want to talk about this. Because this, this, is, is, this is a serious...
2: It's very hard.
1: This is a seriously important thing. Now, in this discussion, I found myself struggling. <laughs> um, we, have, we have separated this into three categories, and we have said each of those three categories are equally important to each other. Mm-hmm. And so the winner by that metric should be whoever wins two out of three of these categories wins the film. Yes. Right? And that's that are the rules we've established for ourselves, and that that those are the rules we're going to follow. But I found myself personally leaning that the impact category should have had a lot more sway okay. than the other two.
0: Okay. Well, apologies.
1: <laughs> so we've established the rules ahead of time. We've all agreed on them, so we're not going to uh well, well will too we, much but i i do want to say that i think impact because of uh
2: we have the, made the we,
1: sheer scope of impact of blade runner i think that it should matter more we have had than, exceptions
2: to that rule where we've broken those rules that's very okay, okay. very important and frequently i mean we should have done it last year because we didn't induct uh, titanic we inducted mm. Boogie Knights.
0: <laughs> well, we did induct Titanic, but then we changed our minds ten
1: seconds exactly. later because we
2: felt bad yes. about it. But we've done the same thing with like Rosemary's baby.
1: Okay. Well that's good to know. That's good to know. So that just makes it more difficult. Um in terms of quality, I I think that E.T. is probably going to win for two arguments alone. Two 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 real pieces here. It's gonna be a, I agree that ET is film school,
2: but I th-
1: it is a safe, well done film. It is it is the perfectly made okay. version of it. And Blade Runner, as we said, has had so many different cuts. They didn't find the perfect cut until the 2000s, which would not apply to this argument at all. Sure, we would only talk about the 1982 version. Mm-hmm. And I, I also think that just to to a degree, to this day, there is more disagreement <laughs> about. Blade Runner than there is about E.T. I think if you walk up to a random person on the street and say, is E.T. a good movie, they're all going to say yeah. If you walk up to a random person on the street and say is Blade Runner a good movie, I'd say 80% of them would say yeah. I would say even a majority of those people would, might be really enthusiastic. Yes, yes. But you're going to find people who are going to say, I fucking hate Blade Runner. Mm. I There's just a s- slight amount of disagreement
2: there. I have found people who disagree with E.T. though. But I also have to sure. say, like, film school like like Blade Runner like literally is film school. It's not, uh, that's not the one no that-
1: blade runner is the type of movie that you reference in film school when you're talking about a specific thing sure et is is the example of how do you mo- want to watch a movie that is just good in every aspect yes. that it attempts yes and that's the difference yeah. blade runner does the things it does really well mm-hmm. but it has some some flaws in terms of quality some minor ones i don't think it's necessarily a loser <laughs> but against et unfortunately, but it is it does the loser lose.
0: So, your final verdict? So,
1: well, if we're, if we're scaling the three of them equally, it would be ET. But I think that impact should matter more than it does.
2: What, do you, what feels right to you? That's I, I, all that matters. Are we abandoning the rubric? What do you think feels right? He's the judge. Okay. That's all I care about. Well, I thought we agreed to
0: the rules ahead of time, but Okay. <laughs>
1: I want to pick Blade Runner, but I agree with Nico that we did pick the rules at the beginning. <laughs> and I am I just don't want to break the rules. Well, I really again, no, I'm, I'm being serious because we agreed court, on the criteria law. We're in at of law. the start.
2: We did but agree on the criteria at the start. Lady Justice is blind, Adam Hall. Sure, but this, again, should be like what you feel is the one that deserves to be inducted. Again, Justice is blind. Again, the right honorable Nick Evangelista. We don't abide by the rules on this podcast, is the thing. Well, you know, he decided to. You know that very well, Nick. I'm just saying.
1: Here's the thing: the way that it has influenced many directors, and I can see that influence. The way that has created a genre. Um,
0: man, all well and good. We've always we've always used that rubric, Adam. We always have, and we've occasionally deviated for personal reasons. But it's been in instances where we both agree on those personal reasons. But this is again, we, we personal. both. But, this but this it's is more but personal, personal reasons, you know, in it's my not, opinion. But. We, but but we, but we're not on the same page here. Yeah. We we've made blood packs in the past to be like, yeah, we really want boogie nights in there ahead of time, and we've acknowledged that's us breaking the rules.
1: There's no consensus here. Like it's one of those I things. I the rubric is is was invented to settle scores. these issues exactly. Not, right. not, not al- so if you guys we also agree,
2: put, we also put Princess Bride in over RoboCop, and that was a bad decision. We acknowledge that. Yeah, it's a bad call. No, but I'm, I think I think based I think on e. going to be the I winner. think based off off of our rubric, it was the correct decision, though. That's the thing, and I think it was, even though we knew yet yeah, which probably should have been Robocop. That's the problem. I think I'm going to pick ET. I for can't the winner. hear a thing.
1: <laughs> the very close
2: second. What were you saying?
1: <laughs> Next, he's just playing music. Yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> am
0: trying to find the regular E.T. What, so, we,
2: what are you saying? The winner is E.T. Yeah! But it's very close, Adam.
1: In my heart of hearts, I want to pick Blade Runner right now,
2: but... Uh, turn him up, turn him up. What were you saying?
1: In my heart of hearts, I want to pick Blade Runner. That's what it should be, though. But, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to follow... Because you two disagree so strongly, we're going to follow the rubric. We're going to stick to it. And if the rubric needs to be tweaked, that needs to be a discussion. But I'm purely following the rubric. I mean,
2: I think quality is the problem here, though. He's right and honorable. I love this guy. Uh, that's the issue. This is,
0: this is, this is a, this is a let, he's, he's an administer of justice. Oh, God.
2: Let me talk. He rules with an Jesus iron Christ. fist. I've let you talk. You lost. No, no let me talk. You I'm lost. Like, I don't know, dude. I feel like quality is, is, you lost. Quality is the issue here, dude. Shake. No. Shake I, on it. No. It's
0: over. It was a hard fart battle. I, 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 I tip my cap to
2: you for a well-fought match. I no below-the-belt hits. I don't know if... Again, Adam Hall. If we're judging it based on quality, though, I don't know if this... Take it up with the league. I feel like it's... Just, dude, I have a I have a hard time wrapping Adam, my head around so how here's, it's better. Here's,
1: let me let me explain a little bit more of how we got there. Oh, yeah. boy, here we go again. Because throughout the entire time, you guys were arguing across categories when I told you not to. <laughs> well. yeah. So what I did is I ignored those things and I put those notes in the category they should have been. That's in. fine. Throughout the entire argument, you were arguing impact. Sure. When we were talking quality, when we were talking legacy, you were arguing impact at the end of the day. Okay. And, and I agree that the impact at the end of the day was the strongest thing. Um, Nico, pretty much the entire time, was not arguing impact at
0: all. <laughs> well, because I wanted to avoid it because I knew I would lose it. Yeah. That's all, ultimately why. It, it, yeah. If it sounded like a half-hearted argument for impact, it's because it was. Was I grasping at straws? Yes, I was. <laughs> and entirely
2: so i mean it's hard for me to side with the quality thing though i just don't see it as a better movie well
1: he did okay it's over but he has yes well i I specifically said quality in terms of in terms of production
2: well i think it's a better production i think i like those performances a lot more i just think and i made the point about you know taking
1: bigger risks was going to be taken into account and it was taken into account
2: it's a more thought-provoking movie you know It does um, more And we also it's should know We've never
1: really seen Either of these well, movies, that's the so. F- <laughs> so. so I had to just Purely ba- But we again, We agreed getting, We agreed It was just gonna be based on Put it this way your Let me put it this way On I, this rubric
0: I don't think it would've helped Your case if he saw Blade Runner in its entirety I don't I don't think it would've helped I think it only would've hurt you
1: Well it also doesn't the help. The reality is that I tried to watch Blade Runner And yeah. I couldn't get through The first ten minutes Yes So Congratulations to E.T. The extraterrestrial
0: The inductee to the movie Hall of Fame. I think it's a little unfair that only he has access
1: to the soundboard. What? What? It's a little unfair that only he has access to the soundboard. (laughs) That's also true. (laughs) You know?
0: uh, Well, congratulations to me, but well fought battle, sir. You put up a good fight. I'm trying to shake hands, make amends. I thought this was very therapeutic. It's not. I'm very happy about this decision. (laughs) Nick, I want to thank you so much for your astute (laughs) attention to the justice system and the code of law. Um, I, I
1: really do want to emphasize how close this was for me. Yes.
0: You're truly um, an inspiration to us all.
1: I'm, I'm purely being a a very uh, strict judge, following the very specific rules we set forth. But if I had freedom to just purely pick from the heart, <laughs> um, this would have turned out differently.
0: Justice so. is blind, my friends. Okay.
1: Um, do you I want think, to do I little, think it needs what? an honorable mention. I think Blade Runner deserves some sort of honorable mention. Okay. Or shared spot on just the movie hall of fame i just don't
2: understand how you have a movie hall of fame without blade runner in it i don't know how you have one without et i think it's, it's easy it. to have one without et mm-hmm. in it though okay uh well that's just your opinion we man. don't have titanic in there
1: <laughs> yeah that's a little weird I, you i'm know. just saying it's, it's just like your
0: opinion man um okay you want to do the oscar thing or, or what no you can do your oscar thing you don't have anything prepared no I uh, Then forget about it again. We'll do it next time uh, we, It's long We're like over two hours At this point Jesus Christ
1: um, yeah, That was an hour On just those two <laughs>
0: Yeah I knew it would happen you um, are so long What long are we long doing long. next year Adam Hall Anaconda <laughs> No Next
2: week on the movie Hall Oh yeah Plane, that's right If it
0: still exists A week from now uh, We're doing 74 Yes
2: 1974.
0: 1974 I gotta look at this Nick enjoying uh, His lunch As we As we continue the podcast Mac and cheese. Oh, God. Uh, okay. 1974. Shall I begin?
2: Oh, 74. Shit. Yeah. Go. Okay, you go good? Uh, Godfather Part 2. Uh, Chinatown. Ooh. The conversation. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then we'll go Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles? So hold on. What did you say? Conversation, Godfather 2. Okay. Hmm.
0: I got to go Young Frankenstein.
2: Okay. Those are
0: your movies. Six movies discussed next week. One of them getting into the movie Hall of Fame. And by the do way. Do you guys
1: each make a top six list and then just. Yeah. Well, we ju-
0: we just drafted the list of Pretty six much. right there.
1: Yeah. But I mean, do you each make a top six list to bring to the draft?
0: Not really. No. Well, we just decided this five minutes before we started. So. <laughs> um. <laughs> But sure, oh, yeah. yeah, we prepared this well in advance. We have a meticulous calendar of uh, things. Uh, yeah, so those put, are the movies. Can I put
1: some um, votes towards Chinatown, please? Okay,
0: <laughs> You like Chinatown.
1: I love Chinatown.
0: Duly noted. going to be a difficult one next week, too, by the way. Pretty tough. Blazing Saddles, Godfather Part Two, The Conversation, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Chinatown, and Young Frankenstein. Catch up. Come back. We'll talk these movies with you on the Movie Hall of Fame. We're going to do a, why is this a thing now? The three of us finally. And it's been a much anticipated one. <laughs> Anaconda coming this week. It'll lo- have already have hit your feeds. I believe Wednesday. So Before. check yep. that out. Okay. I'm looking forward to this one. Oh boy. All right. Anything else? No, we got to jump into this cause <laughs> we're going late. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. And I have a gig to meet. Um, see ya this was uh,
1: (laughs) thanks for having me guys oh yeah
0: (laughs) you're very welcome Uh, thank you for administering the law in an equal and uh, unbiased way Uh, and this has been Movie Hall of Fame until next time
2: I got nothing I I don't care